tonight I will try to write the song that you deserve. Oh, the nerve and even thinking that I, a mortal man in a mortal land with a mortal's hands, can bring forth the glance of something so beyond this realm of understanding So I'll bear my soul and I'll let them go Oh yes, the flames The flames they grow There's something I had lost long ago But now I thrive And it's thanks to you that I made it through those dark nights I fell into you took the hand of a beast lost and weak and you gave him meaning so won't you To the latest episode of the Claus Corner. I first met my next guest at a Twilight Zone convention in Binghamton, New York, several months ago. He is an extremely talented musician with a passion for the best show ever created. And of course, I'm talking about the Twilight Zone. He has a very special, unique, and some might say dark relationship with the show. And he's here to talk all about that and much, much more. So without further ado, please welcome musician Rob Bull to the Claus Corner. Rob, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. This is a, a great opportunity. Oh, yeah. Well, I, as I mentioned in the intro, I met you at a Twilight Zone convention in Binghamton, New York. I think it was in August, either July or August. And it's Binghamton is where Rod Serling, everybody who's a Twilight Zone fan, and come on, face it, who is not a Twilight Zone fan, knows yeah. that's where he was. He grew up there. And it was so great to meet. Uh, it was so great that a show that is over 50 years old still resonates with people today and people still talk about it and you were one of the first people i met and it was great talking to you you're a musician you have such a passion for the show and you showed me some songs that you wrote about the show so i want to talk about that first before we get into that how old were you when you first discovered the twilight zone mm, that's a that's a great question you know actually somebody else at the uh, convention asked me that and Strangely enough, I didn't know the uh, the answer. I I, I would want to say I, I know when I really started getting into it, I was in my uh, late teens. That's when um, that's when I found out that the, the Twilight Zone isn't just a um, a jump scare twist kind of show. Like like the twists are incredible and stuff, but. I've grown more like my favorite episodes are the hard hitting, emotional, um, human episodes like 
uh, Night of the Meek and uh, Mr. Denton on Doomsday and and those really just deep shows. So I think, I mean, I, I, a cliche and maybe artistic, but I, I think of the, the Twilight Zone has been a part of uh, me for as, you know, as long as I've been alive, maybe even longer, you know, and, and it just it grows stronger and stronger. Yeah, no, same thing with me, because I'm not sure where you live. I live in Connecticut. So the New York station, which is WPIX Channel 11, they used to always have the Twilight Zone on ever since I was probably five, six, seven years old. I always loved the show. And like you said, when I was younger, and I even when I'm older, I love the twist endings. But yeah. as I became older, I realized like how great the writing was. And you mentioned a great point. You said like you like the human stories, the ones that get really personal. And yeah. There's a book I'm reading right now. I read the first edition. I'm reading the fourth edition. Mark Scott, Mark Scott Decree. I'm going to have him on the show mm -hmm. soon. He wrote probably the most in-depth book. about. It, it features every Twilight Zone, every synopsis, every intro, every outro, the making of, behind the scenes. And um, in the fourth edition, I'm rereading it again. And yeah. you, I didn't realize then, and I did realize it as I got older, that the one that wrote the most episodes dealing with human relationships was Rod Serling. Yeah. He, he was, he was a prolific, incredible writer. Like, and I feel like he had that writer's curse where he didn't see that, mm -hmm. you know, like, I, like sometimes with the, with the stuff that I write, I have to, I like to listen to my songs almost in a vicarious kind of way where I'm, I'm a very empathetic person, so I can kind of, I get, I get read situations and stuff, but, but you know, I, I think it stems from like when you grow up in a, in a home where things aren't, uh, not necessarily normal, but when things are very tense, you, you, it's something that grows and you can kind of, you need to know if, this situation is a, you know, is a, a good situation. Is this person happy, mad or whatever? So, and I, so like going, using that as a tool to like, not really get in my head so much about my um, lyrics and stuff that I write, but getting into other people's head vicariously. And, um, and it's, I, you know, it's, it's a shame we can't ask him like if you know if he ever would do that because he is he was like very human he understand he understood humanity in a way that very people like very few people do you know i i, I and i don't know he's just a, like incredible in that way yeah. i think All, a lot of it had to do with he lets people say, write what you know, mm -hmm. the way he grew up. I mean, we'll talk about this. He was, he was what, 21, 22 years old. He was in the military. Yeah. While he was in the military, his father died of a heart attack at yeah. 54 years old. The army would not let him go to his own father's funeral. And that really messed with him. And yeah. even he said that may probably create being in world war II being in the army and all the things that happened to him probably helped him with his writing. And a lot of the stories, I mean, you probably know the names better than I do. I knew the episodes like one where you see 
um, in World War II, and you see the Asians' point of view, the Japanese soldiers' point of view. Oh yeah, and they changed they changed um, bodies, something to that effect. So you sort of he sort of he always had empathy for everybody, and I like the fact that he was able to show like oh, he's he just because. He's a different color. Just yeah. The other side, he is not the enemy. He's a human being as well. And he had a lot of episodes like that. And that was just one episode in particular. And then he always, always longed for the old days to pass. Perfect one would be Willoughby, where he yeah. goes oh, back. I lo- love that one. Yeah. yeah. But you mentioned a great point. I want to bring this up because doing my research on Rod Sterling, because I, I had Ann Sterling on the show, which is his yeah, so. it, with along with another that great was author. Mark. Yeah, Mark Dewidziak. I, I forgot his last name, but Dewidziak. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> well, I had to ask him before the show. Tell me how it's pronounced. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, practice. Look, but he having those two on the show, I spoke with them for probably three and a half hours. But what he's you mentioned about you know broken homes and things like that, and she yeah. was telling me, and she might have mentioned it at the Twilight Zone convention because I know you met her there too. She was saying that like a lot of people. Because she went to the schools later on, a lot of the fifth grade classes, and the kids would say, thank you very much to your father. Like, I was sitting in front of the TV. I felt like, you know, I didn't have a dad, but watching him yeah. all these years, I grew up watching your dad, and, you know, yeah. I felt like I had a father figure. So, yeah, he had a huge impact on so many people. But you were saying that, you know, uh, about him being a writer, I think he had a lot of confidence. He didn't have arrogance. He had confidence, but he yes. also didn't realize how important, and sometimes he was a little too humble. And I want to go back yes. to an interview he did in 1959 with uh, Mike Wallace. And I had to write it down so I don't forget it. Mike Wallace said to him when he was announcing the Twilight Zone, he goes, well, obviously you're not going to be working so hard in the Twilight Zone. No, you're going to be working so hard on the Twilight Zone that for the first time being in the foreseeable future, you you have given up writing anything important for television. Right? Yeah, that's so, such and, a slap in the face. I know. But Rod Every Sterling, time I hear that. <laughs> oh, yeah. he He handled it like a gentleman. He did, and he goes, he goes, no. But you know what I like about, and this is, I mean, we're going to talk, that's why I love having somebody who has a passion for the show, because this is one of my all-time favorite shows. And Mark Dwidziak brought up a perfect example. We were talking about the Twilight Zone. There's only two black and white shows that you mentioned, and people know what they are. I Love Lucy and The Twilight Zone. Yeah. So I went to uh, where I work, and I tried it with the, the younger kids. I said, did you ever hear The Honeymooners? What's that? Did you ever hear of, uh, I don't know, it's Gilgan's Island? No. Did you ever hear of I Love Lucy? Yeah. What about, Twi- oh, Rod Serling, The Twilight Zone. Yeah, Those yeah. are the only two shows that people know from over 50 years ago. And it has to do I with would say there, the writing. I would say there might be one more. Which one? Three Stooges. Mm. Uh, yes. I know they weren't uh, shows, they were shorts, but Three Stooges were incredible. Three Stooges, like, oh, I... I can go on all day about the three stooges. <laughs> you know what? We we have a lot of time in this show. So we yeah, will get into yeah. that because I love the three stooges and we'll get yeah. into, right really quickly. We won't dwell on this right now. So I want to go back to yeah. the Twilight Zone. Yes, yes. What's your favorite three of the three stooges? Favorite three episodes? No, no, favorite three stooges. Because there was, you know, Mo, oh, okay. Larry, Curly, Shemp, oh, Curly I mean, Joe. Curly, like like the original Curly, I would say. Um, which I, I know is cliche, but, but there's a reason why some things are cliche, you know, <laughs> it's classic and, and, and like, and the tragedies and stuff like, like that befell upon like them too. Like yeah. it's, you know, it, it, it's, 
it's so crazy how people that can bring such light into the world can, you know, fall victim to to like such darkness and stuff. You know, he he had multiple strokes and then he eventually passed away. And I th I think they all kind of died of um, like strokes and stuff. I um, I know uh, Larry. Larry had a couple strokes, um, and Mo was the last to go. He he led a, probably the longest. He was the oldest brother, and he lived into the seventies. I remember him on the yeah. Mike Douglas show back in seventy six. I I like watching old clips of that. And yeah, me too. Is, but I mean, if you know the story about Three Stooges, it started off with a fourth guy that brought them because back then vaudeville was the big thing, just like with the Marx Brothers. They would do their bits on vaudeville, and they had Shemp. Shemp and Mo were real brothers. Yeah, yeah. And what happened was Shemp, when they started doing the shorts, Shemp said, well, I want to do movies. So they started doing you know, the Abbott Costello movies and yeah. different things like that. So they brought in Mo and Shemp's younger brother, Curly, who was so depressed because he was overweight and he also did not like shaving his head. And that really caused a huge drinking problem. Yeah. And that caused the strokes. And that's when he had a stroke. There's one episode, and I did see it. All four of them are in it. Only one time. Yeah. Curly had the stroke. He's on a train and Shemp He's sleeping. By. Yeah. Yep. Sleeping on yeah. a train. So, and, uh, but yeah, there it's unfortunately all the greats have so many dark histories. Yes. I mean, another example would be Abbott Costello. The, they, yeah. there's so many hard, um, so I read the book called Lose on First and his son died in the pool and his wife always blamed him for not watching the sun. And he was always depressed yeah. over that. And just, and, but, but Abbott was, a, I mean, yeah, but Abbott was a big alcoholic and they hated each other. It was just, it was a really, but those are some of the greats. You really, I want to get into, now that we're talking about this, come on Twilight Zone, Three Stooges, Abbott Castell, there's really no greatness anymore. I think people just settle for mediocrity. Yeah. What was considered great back then, now it's like if you have a YouTube channel, oh, I'm a star. No, you're not really a star. You're just somebody that has like yeah. a, couple, a couple million viewers for some odd reason. Just because you're on TikTok doesn't mean you're a great actor. Yes. So you may be entertaining, but that you know, I, 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 I don't know. A lot of a lot of people can be in, you know entertaining, which is you know it's it's not a bad thing. Entertainment is a human thing, but to actually to transcend the way that you know, the greats that are still relevant today that are, I mean, almost like a hundred years ago, like, I mean, well, maybe close to 70, but you know, even that it's like, I mean, there's shows and stuff that came out two years ago that I yeah. can't remember. There's nothing. I actually, I wrote that down um, that like nowadays there's even like, like, beyond uh stories and stuff it's like even like the music and stuff and and um and movies and stuff it's that's just not memorable like you you watch something and it's kind of gone I, i'm not saying everything and i'm not trying to put anything down that people enjoy because i know i, I have a particular taste and stuff yeah. but for me that it's like there's not many things that just no. hit and resonate like like those old uh the classics no exactly and there's a reason why they're classics because now everything is so homogenized meaning that mm -hmm. everything, everybody looks the same sounds the same they're yeah. so afraid to try something new if they 
go and look back of how the classics got made. Let's go to I Love Lucy, for, for example. They did not want uh, Ricky Desi Arnaz as they said, oh, nobody's ever going to believe that a Cuban is in love with a redhead. And she, <laughs> right. the only reason she took that show was because he was cheating on her left and right. And she wanted to keep an eye on him. And they figured, look, they do a show mm. together. Keep, but that show became a classic. Another example, which is more recent, is Seinfeld. Seinfeld yeah. did not do well for the first three, four years because it was on Tuesday nights against one of the biggest shows at the time, Home Improvement. What happened was two or three years later, it got switched to Thursday right after Cheers. Bam. Everybody started to realize the show and said, wow, this show is great. Yeah. And uh, so, if, I mean, if they actually, they would never give a show a chance like that anymore. Now it's like, all right, sometimes shows will be canceled mid-episode. They'll go to a commercial yeah, break. Right. <laughs> oh, you know, just seen his, we're going to go to a, a news uh, report now. Yeah. That's how quick things get canceled. But I mean, even the yeah, and nobody cares. And you know what? It's, it, I'm glad I brought up Isle of Lucy because without even realizing it, there's a little connection. I'm not sure if you know about this between Desi Arnaz and the Twilight Zone. Do you know about that? Yes. Uh, didn't uh, one of uh, Rod Serling uh, his his shorts aired on the. Um, was it the first episode of the Twilight Zone? Uh, it, it was before the first episode. I mean, okay, that was just before, right? Yeah, it was called, uh, let's see, I have it right, Patterns. Yes. Patterns. It was the one. And what happened was... Was that the one about, like, the, the, the airlines? Yes. Or, yeah. And yeah. what happened was, um, it, it was going to get, it was picked up by the, uh, let me see what it's called. The, I had it written down, the Playhouse. It was... Uh, Playhouse 90. Desi, Desi, no, yeah, Desi Lou Playhouse. Or, and we had Playhouse 90. And they, the ending... They did not like at all. The executives came down, and Desi Arnaz is the one that said, give it a chance. Yeah. I really feel confident with this. They said, all yeah. right, we'll give this one a chance, because they had it shelved. And they said, we'll give this one a chance, but we do not want any more episodes with a dark ending like this. Yeah. So what happened was that was the most uh, – the episode that had the most letters ever written about and then CBS said, "Hey, how you doing, Rod?" Yeah. Oh, hey. Yeah. 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 Now that uh, now that you got some money coming in from them, now now you see it, you know. Yeah. Which, yeah, like, and it's you know, it's crazy because back then, you know, you can understand, like, kind of like there was like a you know, TV and and radio and stuff were very like controlled by you know, obviously sponsors and stuff. Rod Serling talked a lot about that. Oh, yeah. And it's like, but if you like, if you want to sell your product, you know, you, you want people to, to be sucked in. And, and sometimes people, as weird as it sounds, they will get more enjoyment out of a, a show or something that doesn't have a good ending mm -hmm. more than, because, you know, it seems it's more realistic. It's more human, you know, and, and and I love how much he fought, you know, like he wasn't too concerned about um, he wasn't too concerned about offending people because he knew I, I feel like he knew that if they gave um, whatever he was writing a chance, they would understand that it's not like it's not trying to be offensive. It's trying to be um emotional and real and it's trying to teach you a either a lesson you know like like a 
you know, it's, it's either trying to teach you a lesson or, or give you something just beautiful that you can take with you. Yeah, well, exactly. He did not do anything for shock value alone. He did it because it was thought-provoking. It was emotional. It meant a lot to him. A lot of it was written for yeah. like the, the episodes he wrote. And uh, so when you look at it, it's very, very well written. It's very thought out. It's not like he just yeah. slapped it. He wrote 80%. It was a deal that he made with CBS. And it, it, he's like so far ahead of his time because back then nobody was. It was, his yeah. He he had he got a deal where he was getting fifty percent of the show. He owned fifty percent of it. CBS got the other fifty percent. He said, "Well, I get to write eighty percent of the episodes," and then he brought on Richard Matheson and Charles Bowman, which I want to talk about later. Which but, which goes to show it wasn't about money. No, you know no, no. he could have just created the show and I'd be like, "I'll just I'll write a couple episodes," and you just have my name there. Yeah. Well, he said his name was on there and he wanted to ensure yes. that it was a quality product. And that's why mm -hmm. he hired two of the, the best writers. And that's why this show is still relevant today because Richard Matheson, I yep. love, I've, I've read not everything he's done, but a lot of his short stories. Of course, I've read, you know, the books, the movies he's written and people know Duel. They know what dreams may come. Yeah. So many different things. I am legend. Yes. Which if you, this, this is, is I don't understand this. The book is great. The yeah. movie with Will Smith was horrible, but there's a movie with Vincent Price called The Last Man on Earth, which mm. is I Am Legend. That movie is just like the book. Exactly. Really? Like it. For some odd reason, um, Richard Matheson hates that movie. I don't know why, but because <laughs> I after I saw That's... the movie, I read the book. And I said I wanted to read. It's only a short story. And the, the movie follows it almost completely. It's great. That's uh, that's reminiscent to Stephen King not liking The Shining by uh, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, well, the reason he didn't like The Shining was because he that, changed. Yeah. yeah. Well, that book was so that book was basically about him. He was Jack Torrance because he was yeah. an alcoholic at the time, and yeah. he was drinking a case a night. And they said that like his his family finally had finally had an intervention. They said, and he didn't realize how much he was drinking until he went to the garbage can and he saw. Like the whole three garbage cans full. He goes, oh my God, this is how much you drank last yeah. week. And he said he wrote three novels. I think one was Cujo and two, two other ones. He doesn't even remember writing. Yeah. That, that's impressive. I mean, I, I can't imagine writing anything, even a little mildly mildly tipsy, but completely yeah. blacked out. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I can, yeah. And, and it's like I can perform, but yeah. <laughs> writing is a, is a completely different thing. Yeah. So, so Rod Sterling did actually. I want to talk about that because you're talking about the sponsors, and then this is most people that are Twilight Zone fans know this, but for the people who aren't diehard fans, the reason that he left Desley Lou Playhouse or Playhouse 90 was because the sponsors were so bad, they were censoring everything, everything. he did, everything yeah. he said, and so that's why he went to sci fi. And one of the things I love what he said, and it's so true, he said, An alien can say things a Republican or Democrat can't. Yeah, and it's and that still rings uh, true today. Yes, you know, politics are insane, and and I honestly, I just I try to stay as far away as I can from politics in my art because you know it's it's weird. It, it, I don't know if this rings true to you, but uh, like to me, it's like politics change, like politics come and go, but art is forever and like you know like if you get certain things that are like uh, either songs or something that are very like based on the time 
then they become dated. Yes. You know, like like a lot of, I think it worked like mainly for like rap songs where they, you know, the people with like, you hear rap songs and stuff with uh, people talking about like Nextel phones and, and <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. But, but you know, but even uh, politics, you know, I, I mean, I think there is a way to do it. Like, like the way the, the psychedelic rock of the sixties and seventies did it where it wasn't so much about um, actually, uh, I guess it, it was, it was anti-politics, which that's yeah. kind of like, I, I think, you know, people can do what they want. You can do what you want in art. But for me, I, I like to keep um, heavy politics and stuff out of my, like Rod Serling said, like not, pinpointing exactly like oh this is a republican or a democrat or whatever yeah. you know yeah i mean they're people and that's why i love like, the yeah example was um the maple street episode that yes episode is... <laughs> i actually live on maple street oh that's hilarious <laughs> yeah we're, we're gonna talk about your connection with the twilight your that your connection with the twilight yeah a lot deeper we're gonna get into that in a while but that's yeah. funny about maple street now for people who don't know about the maple street episode that show is more relevant now it's where yeah. The um these aliens come down, which you don't know they came down at first, but these people they make them paranoid. They they're turning everyone against yeah. neighbor yep. against neighbor. Then at the end of the show, the aliens are like, all right, we're done here. Yeah, let's go to the next Maple Street. Yeah. Another one. Oh, every town has a Maple Street. Yeah. They go. They're just messing with people. But the, that show. And the next like, one. And everybody the next is one. so paranoid. Everybody is so anti yep. against their anti neighbor, and it's. Unfortunately, and what did that? Not the aliens didn't do that to us. Now, what did it to us now is social media. Yes, yeah, uh, yes, I agree completely. I I do understand that there are good things that uh, social media ha has brought humanity, but I think I think the negative things are starting to outweigh the positive. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess this is a form of of uh, so. Well, I don't know if Zoom is a a social media thing but you know it's like uh, there are some positive things that come from it like people can be connected you can get news and stuff yeah. wherever whenever which is great but it's uh, somehow it just came about algorithms and clicks and and then uh tribal warfare and it's it's to me it's like i i it's like stuff from the twilight zone you know it's it's very yeah. much like like the obsolete man yes you know exactly you say the wrong thing or whatever the, there's no redemption like yep. you just are that which is very you much, are canceled yes yep which which rod serling was very anti-cancel culture oh yeah um there was a and an ann serling's book there was a part where she said um uh playboy had either done an interview or bought an interview from uh, this um, an African-American guy who interviewed a, a, a Klan member, a Ku Klux Klan member, but the Klan member didn't know that it was an African-American that was going to be interviewing him. So it turned, you know, it, it, I think it was in the, the 60s. So you can imagine how that turned out. It was a very vulgar and obscene and, and uh, offensive um, interview. And yeah. and people kept writing in saying like, oh, why would you give this guy a platform? Um, how dare you? Like, uh, you should get you know, 
get rid of the interview, basically. And 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 she said that her father, uh, Rod Serling, wrote into uh, Playboy and basically said, um, no, they they shouldn't. You, you shouldn't push these people into the dark, basically, is what she said. Like like these people should be able to come out and say what they think. Yes. So they can so they can be challenged and then maybe they can grow like there's no opportunity for that anymore. People can't grow. What you are is what you are. I mean, I don't believe that, but but that's just the way society is heading. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, and I agree with that, too, because I think that everybody because you know what? Here's what gets me mad. Everybody loves free speech until it's something they don't want to hear. Then it's like, oh, yeah. they should be saying it. It's like, no, they have a right. Yeah. And I think it's good that they talk like that because that just exposes mm-hmm. their ignorance. And and it's going to show them like and everybody are just stupid. And then they're, they're going to say, I, I actually supported this in the past. I didn't realize how dumb this is. Yes, exactly. Let them know. So if you just push everything into the dark you, and just act like it doesn't exist, it's not going to go yeah. away. It's going to become bigger and bigger and bigger so you actually expose it and then more people say the problem now with social media is you'd have maybe one guy that thought like that and he'd be afraid to say something i don't want people to think i'm this or that but now they'll go on social media and they'll find like 100 500 people that look sound and act and think just like him and then that gives them more power that's where unfortunately social media it comes in where it's people like that tribal Try yes, the tribal. It's, it's, it's tribal warfare. It's 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 we are through through te- through like insane technological advancement. We are uh, regressing as a society back to caves. Basically, we we might as well you know like oh this person said this or they they're wearing that and and uh, yeah. angry mobs. It's it's like Frankenstein. Yeah, like it's. You know, and, and and to me, it's it's really it's terrifying and it's really it's heartbreaking, you right. know, that n- nobody is allowed to grow, you know, and 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 you have the wrong opinion or whatever, which is, you know, an oxymoron. Yeah. You know, statement anyways. But it's like. You know, there's nobody's going to agree on everything. And exactly. most people used to believe in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy, but. We, you know, it's not like, oh, you still believe that, huh? Because you used to, or, you know, or or whatever. It's like uh, differing opinions. You know, people that live out in the city have a very different opinion to the people that live out in a rural country. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's two different worlds. You know, we need to, there's not enough empathy, I think. There's not enough empathy or understanding and sort of the same thing. And if people actually just, Put, put aside their differences and just started talking and they'd realize they have a lot more in common than they do differences. And yeah. instead of just, everybody just talks about the differences. Why should, and I think, you know, what does that also besides social media, the media in particular likes that likes the divisiveness because that gets more ratings that gets bigger, more readers. Yeah. So they, they love people being divided because it gives them Gives the media more power. They can't they get, stand. They, like, get the, they get the they get the clicks. Yeah, exactly. The clickbait. They get the now, clicks and the views and the minutes. How how long have they been watching? When did they stop watching? Okay, we need to drag it on so they watch longer. It's exactly. it's disgusting, really. Yeah. When you think about it, you know it's 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 just it's manipulation because these people 
probably don't really care that much about the content that they're putting out. They're just caring about the bottom line. Yeah, no, exactly. And sponsors. That's what it's all about. It's all about the money. They can care less about the people and what happens to them. But it's just um, speaking of social media, because you said that it's good for some things. Actually, I want to talk about, uh, let's talk about this first. With social media, the one good thing for me is that uh, something it's good for promotion. I used to, yes. I, I really don't even care about having an opinion anymore because I don't, I'm not going to, I don't want something that I do right now to be 20 years from now, I lose my job. It's something that's, which yeah. Is, yeah. it's gotten to this point where it's that bad. That's possible. But, yeah. Which is, better watch yourself. you made a great comment saying, you know, like we can, we can click on social media and I can find out what's going on on the other side of the world. Yeah, we have the best technology, and we are the dumbest we've ever been. Because instead, yes. of, instead of actually using these tools to educate ourselves, it's more about like, oh, let's see this, let's see. And they're like doing making stupid yeah. videos, which is, I guess, it's mm-hmm. fun for some people. To me, it's not, but it's just that yeah, they're it's actually dumbing down which is the nation. Fine. No, which it's just like it's yeah. fine, but that's it's dumbing down the nation though. Yes, the, we are losing something. We're losing. For me, like, uh, it's like, I see it and it's, it's empty, uh, pleasure. It's like empty entertainment. There's really, and which is fine. Like every, like, you know, I, I play video games. So it's like one of those things when I beat a video game, it's awesome for a second. And then I realized I have nothing physical from this now. And it's, I just can say I beat the game. So it's like, like there's a hollowness to you know, yeah. there's a hollowness to, to some things, but I feel like there's there's too much hollow pleasure now. There's yeah. not a, like people aren't gaining um, knowledge, uh, knowledge or, or, or or like uh, or su- sustenance for their spirit. Exactly. You know, like growing and 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 just getting it authentic soul fulfilling pleasure well the thing is is that you love video games and i have different things i like to do but that's not our life you don't sit there Mm -hmm. and play video games some people will say it's they said um there's somebody on a talk show i was watching they said the cell phone has the same addictive qualities as crack yeah. Like if you lose your cell phone, oh yeah. and I've actually seen my friend, uh, this is a couple of years ago, my friend was shaking because his phone was broken and it was Memorial Day weekend. He goes, we got to get it fixed. I'm like, don't worry about it. No, no, we got to go. We got to go. And I'm like, yeah. calm down. I mean, this is, it's, it's has an addictive quality to it where people just cannot. And I said, I'm 54 years old. I lived without a phone most of my life. Yeah. I survived to tell the tale. I'm doing great. I actually loved it because the days of rotary phones with before answer machines, if I wasn't home, nobody can get in touch with me. Right and now, it's like every all oh, rich. I know, like, are I you know from like there, rich? Like, you, I saw you read my message. Where are you? And everybody tracks you. Everybody knows what you're yeah. doing. I I personally don't like it, but I do love it for is promoting myself. All the different yes. things that I've done. As I told you, I've this is what I'm what I'm doing now. But I also did stand up comedy, motivational speaking. I wrote a book. That's awesome. Did, uh, man. I was in a band. And speaking of bands, oh. Nice. Let's talk, yeah, I was the lead singer of a band in the 80s. I loved it. Um, but you, as I mentioned in the intro, are a musician. So I want to talk about that because that's how I first started talking to you about what you do. So yeah. tell me, what kind of music do you do and what do you write about? Um, okay. So I do, I don't like to hold myself to just one particular uh, genre. 
Um, I would say I do a, a mixture of um, either a mixture or just flat out um, like rock and roll, um, psychedelic rock, um, kind of like a synth, dark synth pop, hip hop and uh, rap and, and uh, uh, crooning. I like the old, um, you know, the old style crooning like uh, Frank Sinatra or um, yeah, Dean Martin or, or even like the people that you don't really associate with crooners, but they really actually were like, uh, like Jim Morrison. He's a big inspiration of mine. He had a lot of uh, bad views and opinions and stuff, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I, I, I'm surprised he hasn't been uh, canceled yet. No, I know. Because I actually just read a uh, biography on him, and yeah, he had some bad views. Him and Rod Serling would not get along. <laughs> you know, and, and like it, it, it really affected me because, like, I never, it was stuff I never knew. And he was always been one of my biggest heroes. Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 but then I also learned that, you know, just because he thought the way that he did doesn't mean I think that way. Or, you know, he, he was racist and just a, a womanizer and stuff which can come you know can come with being a musician which is you know i, I try not to um uh be that way but yeah yeah Un but unfortunately he was also part of that time period too which is not an excuse because not everybody like obviously rod serling grew up even before rod serling was yeah everything. yeah but unfortunately he was part of that time so like if maybe he, if he was alive now he would have a completely different view because who you yeah. are at 20 is not yeah. who you are at 40 years old. Who you are at 40 is not who you are at 50. So you do, as you mentioned, yeah. you grow and you become more educated and you become a different person. So maybe yeah. that's the case. I mean, unfortunately, I do know a lot of stories, that some of the things that he said in the past. But also, I think Jim Morrison, yeah, right. he was about shock value. I think he just likes yes. to shock people. Yes, which which I really love. And I, I like um, I like his... Uh, uh, like uh, stage theatrics, that is a very like like that inspires me a lot. The the way that he would be able to, like when he was uh, doing good, he could um just completely hold a crowd, you know, thousands of people right at it, you know, at his fingertips with um with the things that he's done. So I did write some stuff down in preparation for for that question um for like about my um music and stuff oh yeah i also do like um blues which is um makes sense so a lot of my music is definitely it's not i wouldn't say it's for people that are looking for necessarily you know happy type regular songs maybe not happy but um a lot of my stuff is pretty dark i i wouldn't say it's um I wouldn't say it's a, it's not like a black metal dark, you know, no, no, I, no, I mean, some of my rap stuff when I was younger was, was uh, pretty dark, but I was working through a lot of things that, um, that actually th that that was a really good outlet and I didn't turn out to be as bad as like a lot of people in my family that didn't have any kind of outlet turned out to be because they couldn't, um, release the 
the anger and frustration and kind of give something back to the world that gave them, you know, that, that darkness and stuff. And well, you know what though, I sort of like, I want to, I want to stop you right there because sometimes I think when you write about things like that, it may sound dark in hindsight, but yeah. when you're writing it, it's now left for you, but also other people going through that, you're going to be helping them say, wow, I'm not alone. There's other people that feel like I do. Yeah. Probably helping people without even realizing it. And you, yeah. mentioned, you mentioned movies that end on dark endings. I want to talk about one in particular. This was the funniest thing that ever happened. I went to go see The Mist, Stephen King. Oh, yeah. So I, I was ending. walking into the theater. No, I <laughs> love the ending. Yeah. Well, I oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great, yeah, it's a great ending. But it's one of those endings where if people want a happy ending, that you're going to hate it. But well, it even, is a great ending. Even in the book, as I, I read the story, in the book, there, he's just driving through the mist and it just never ends. And yeah. Stephen King even said, he goes, that ending's even dark for me. And he was laughing. But so when I'm walking into the theater, I hear people like, fuck this. I can't believe this. Fuck. I said, like, what is going on? <laughs> and people that's, were literally, they were really hilarious. mad. They were swearing. So I watched, and I said, <laughs> I love this ending. But because it's so realistic and it's just that got a reaction out of it. Yes, exactly. You know? And so when I was doing comedy, I used to always say, because I, I have cerebral palsy and a lot of my comedy was about my uh, handicap. And people yeah. said, Oh, you can't talk about that. I, said, I can talk like, about what? whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. no, exactly. I, 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 I love talking about things that uh, people really can't handle. I mean, not everybody, but like people, you know, like, if, if you listen to the radio and stuff nowadays, it's, I don't know, I, I, I kind of, my stuff is very, I, I would say, uh, primal. It, 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 it comes from like, who's another inspiration of mine? Um, H.P. Lovecraft, which is yeah. funny because I've only recently really got into him. But my music and stuff and everything I've been in, like, um that I've been into like, uh, like horror and like madness, like people just going insane, like I, like that, it, it fascinates me, you know? And it's, it's actually one of my fears that one day I might like suffer that fate, but not, you know, it, it's more of like, I guess an irrational fear, but yeah. you know, it's, it's a, a, uh, something so horrifying, you know, like, you know, and um, so I, I love talking of, uh, about those things. My songs, I've actually realized more recently, they're most of the songs that I've written recently sound like warnings, like like warnings of like what the um, what the darkness can do to you. Like the, there's something that beckons me towards the flames and darkness, although I feel this is inherent in most humans, you know. But, we all have a fascination in that. I, I just so happen to dedicate my life to the ideas of horror and and madness and not just fictional, but also like, you know, the, the horrors that flesh and blood people are capable of. Because those are the really terrifying ones. Even if it's not a straight, you know, strictly murder, like emotional abuse and, and sexual abuse or, you know, the, these are things that are a lot more prevalent in our society than, you know, anyone would like to admit, you know, and, and it's not just because of like denial. It's just so 
heinous that it's, you know, that you, you kind of can't think about it all the time. And, and I mean, even I, I don't, but like, you know, cause my, which I think this was a big inspiration. And actually, I know it has been for my music. My, my mother, when uh, she was, I think, 10 years old. Yes. When she was 10 years old, there was a guy who lived in her neighborhood in, in, uh, in Troy. They, my mother grew up very poor um, in, in her neighborhood. My, my, my grandma was 13 when she got married. And, and she, she had eight kids. And I think uh, my grandfather was a horrible drunk, very abusive, um, and, uh, and would molest the kids. And Wait, let's stop right there for a second. You said your grandmother was married at age 13? Yes, she was married at 13. Who allowed that to happen? Um, it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's, I mean, her parents, and, and I think it was like, things were very different. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I want to say she's 70. So I don't know, maybe if it was the, wow. the, uh, the, the, the forties or fifties or, or something, you know, like, like even then it was, yeah. And, How old was your grandfather? You know, honestly, I, I it's, some of these things are, are actually like, even for me, very hard to, uh-huh. to, um, to think about so that's actually i okay i don't i but i do i, I i'm pretty sure he was like 20 or so you know he, he was wow. he was older yeah that's and i'm surprised that that was even allowed i'm surprised yeah that. yeah it's, it sounds like the elvis story because <laughs> i think priscilla was yeah like 14 or 15 and when uh you, you basically know, they, you, for elvis the parents said go right ahead take her <laughs> yeah like 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 things were very different like not that long ago yeah you know and and like i'm really i'm really happy for the um for like the way laws and stuff have you know changed and stuff but like society definitely needs help because there's some things that just haven't changed yeah you know especially like the like that kind of stuff like the the cycle of uh sexual abuse you know so so going back to that, my mom, yeah, she was uh, she was ten, and there was this guy and that lived in their neighborhood in Troy. Now, and, and it's crazy, like the stories that she tells me, like it sounds like just like like if the devil was real, he, like he was like in their neighborhood or in Troy and stuff, because there was a guy there that ran a carnival that was molesting kids, and and everybody was just being. You know, like nobody had any kind of uh, nobody watched their kids and stuff, and you know, and so so that stuff was just crazy uh, prevalent, and and I really can't blame my grandmother because she was she was thrown into um, you know her life as it was, you know, and, and I. I think by that time she might have been. I mean, who knows? I I think my mom is the second or the third youngest out of eight kids. Wow. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like I I feel really bad for not knowing a lot about 
like the specifics of that family, like the, you know, like the ages and stuff. But it's like, I, I know the, I guess the things that like, once I heard everything else, those kind of things didn't, didn't even click. Yeah. You know, cause like my mother's like, she was, she was and is uh, a great and beautiful human being. Like you, like you would not know, like the things that have happened to her if you just met her one time, you know. And and she's kind of insecure about that because she's, you wouldn't think that I came from her. She's a very small um, lady, and and she's uh, almost obsessive and compulsive about her looks, which I think stems from the, the things that happened to her as a child. You know, she she doesn't she's terrified about looking old and stuff you know so she's like she works out a lot and you know she she's the complete opposite of kind of what what i've turned out to be but i'm trying to turn things around but um yeah she's a beautiful person and so when she was uh 10 years old she was abducted um and held um captive and I think she 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 lived in a a, a cellar or basement um, with uh, there was like she there was a mattress I think a bucket to to go bathroom in and and like oh, a God. and a TV and so from ten to sixteen years old she was there. Wait a minute, let's stop right there for a second. So for six six years she was missing. Did your grandparents, my, she was dead? My, no, my grandmother did know where she was, which is very controversial. Obviously that sounds, oh. but he was um, a somewhat powerful, uh, a somewhat powerful person or whatever. He was very intimidating and he threatened basically to kill, um, you know, to kill my whole family if anything ever got out or whatever. And, you know, with like the way I'm pretty sure my, my grandma has has and had a an arrested you know development when you go through trauma and stuff so young you kind of stay at that age mentally so i think she was you know she was a scared mother and didn't necess didn't necessarily know what to do and i know that that's not um necessary maybe not a good excuse but i can that's just the fact of what it was. Was it a know. family friend? No, it, no, it was just a, a guy that lived uh, somewhere in the town of Troy. His, uh, his name was, uh, I think it was uh, Joe Gato. We're not sure if he actually might be dead now, but we're not sure. Um, wow. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that I would like to do to him. Yeah, you know, blame but, you. I just you know, what would your grandfather do? He must have been pissed off. No, he didn't. Really? I, I don't think he cared. Uh, he was a, he was and is a just degenerate drunk. Uh, like, I, I'm pretty sure my mom says he lives on a mattress right now and he's just, he's, he's uh, just drinking every day to stay alive and shit. Uh -huh. like, he weighs like maybe 90 pounds, 80, 90 pounds. And, you know, honestly, I don't like there's it might sound heartless, but 
you know, there's just people I don't care about in my family because, you know, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, I, I, I have more sympathy for my grandma than, than I do my grandfather. Yeah. You know, and I, I really don't know him. I never really, I think I'm, I've met him a couple times and stuff, but you know, it's funny because my, my grandma always said that he was, he was, uh, he reminded her exactly of, uh, Jack Torrance from the shining movie. She said, she said he, he used to look like, um, uh, Jack Nicholson even. And, and he was great. He was just beater and, uh, you know, molest his kids and probably other kids. Like, so like, I, I don't think, I'm not even sure if he he was around at that time. Actually, I I think my grandma might've been on her own. So what happened? Did, did she, did he actually abduct her and keep her there or did, was, did she go in there? I think she might've been lured there. Wow. So she was there for six years in a basement. Yes. In the basement, and 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 uh, you know, it's crazy because he he did he allowed her to go to school and stuff like that. So she would go to school and come back, and 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 he actually had kids. He had uh, I think two boys that lived with him, and and she said that he he told them to call him Tad, so so she wouldn't know that that was their dad, but 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 she caught on eventually. He's very smart. So was she allowed to play with them or was she just in the basement? Um, I, I, I think she, she tried to, but they were just, they were odd too. They were probably being molested as well. So yeah, yeah. She, she was pretty much, she was locked in the basement and he would, um, uh, he wouldn't, I'm not, you know, we can keep a family friendly. I'm not going to go uh, too deep in this stuff, but we can just say that he never, he was, he, it was weird. He, he wanted to keep her uh, clean or whatever, as he said. So he never penetrated her. He just did other things. And, and so, so, so this is going on from 10 to 16. She's, she's going to the bathroom in a, in a bucket and, you know, and, and she's, she's going to school and stuff. And she's actually, she's being made fun of and picked on. Why? I mean, at Bullied. that point, I know. She, why couldn't she tell a teacher? It's like, I can't go home. This happened to me, and then they he, call it. You know, she was convinced that you know she 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 loved her mom so much that she didn't want her mom to get killed. Wow, that's that's a. I mean, it's amazing that this actually yeah, happened. I, I thought that she was held yeah. captive and was missing, but I mean, when it's just it's hard to imagine that something like this could even happen. It's. I know. I, yeah, and that's like it's, it's I, I it, it's part of the reason why I don't know I I I hold so strong to my values and and stories and like how how effective stories uh, storytelling can be because when when we got back from uh, from the from the Twilight Zone the Rod Serling convention the convention I actually I asked my mom and I was like like somebody asked me there like. Like after I made my my testimony and stuff, which you know I I I didn't mention anything that had happened to my mom because I wasn't trying to like, you know I, I wasn't trying to like um, make it all about me or you know and, and you know stuff like that. But um, 
somebody had mentioned or, or asked me like, like how did, like a person that is like so young, I guess she's, uh, she was older, but I don't feel that young, I'm 30, but <laughs> I'm sure youth is, is fading, but, um, but she's like, like, she was just curious about how like a person like good, like younger like that got into it so, so deeply. And, and just as you asked earlier, I was like, you know, I, I'm like, I, I don't really know. I, I just started watching it uh, one day because I, I, you know, I, I was always drawn to like dark and, and, and scary things. And I'd always, you know, that was like the, like the twilight zone was the, you know, it had the scary episodes and stuff like that. It's like yeah. one of the oldest uh, scary things that still looks good. Yeah, and, and still as effective. So yeah, I started watching it like that, and then, and then you know I found the, uh, the other episodes and stuff. And then I, the older I got, I got more into it. So I told her that. And then once, so right when we came back, I went to um, me and me and my wife Ashley went to my mom's house because uh, she was watching our dog Rhett, and and I had asked her. I was like was there anybody that, you know, like watched the Twilight Zone or something when I was, you know, younger or whatever? She's like, yeah, I used to watch it all the time when you were younger. And I was like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, that's cool. That makes sense. And she's like, yeah. And I actually remember um, she said, you know, she she had this, you know, a little broken down TV in the room and, and there would always be uh, – reruns of the the twilight zone and star trek and she said those those shows gave her an escape and that when she said that especially about the twilight zone it hit me like a freight train because i didn't it's one of those things i was like wow i owe i owe so much more to to rod serling than i ever thought i could you know yeah. Now it's, I have a question for you. Was she the only kid that was down in the basement? Were there, did he have others? What made your mother so special that he kidnapped and held her captive and no other kids? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I mean, she, she has such a, a light in her. Like she, she's the life of, I don't know, like, she walks into a room and everybody's looking at her. She has like, she, she radiates um, uh, friendliness and, and love, yeah. you know? And, and, and I think, you know, and, and people, you know, sick people may, maybe, you know, saw that, you know, that, that guy and, or I don't know if it was just opportunistic or, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where, I try not to ask her too much, you know, cause like she'll bring it up and stuff like, like I've noticed like she brings up a lot, you know, she still has obviously like depression and insomnia and stuff. And she says, you know, it's, it's hard for her to, to sleep because she she'll fall asleep and she she'll dream that she's back in that room, yeah, you know? And, and then, and then she, she goes into like, depression states where she'll 
become reclusive. And then she's like, um, you know, she feels like she's, she's always in that room, you know? And, and so I think that's hearing those things, like, especially when I was younger, I didn't know how to um, process that, you know, yeah. like how this lady standing in front of me, like gave birth to me, like went through that, you know, survived it. Like a lot of people don't survive that kind of thing. And he was, he, he was actually eventually arrested when she was 16 because he was, um, he went to go get, he would take uh, pictures of, of her. Uh, she said there's probably thousands of Polaroid pictures, but um, I th one, he went to go get some developed and and the police, you know, they, the people reported it and, and they arrested him. Wow. And then, and then she, so she got out at 16, you know, like, so you're kind of going heading towards adulthood and, yeah. and, and she goes to, she goes to school and, and they call her a whore, a blowjob queen. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, like horrible things like, like, and, and all she wanted, like was a friend, you know, yeah. like, and, and, and she said like, she would dress very nice. She would dress like, uh, you know, very beautiful for like the eighties and stuff. So like everybody was jealous. All the girls were jealous because, because she was in that situation that she was going to, try to have sex with all their boyfriends and, you know, completely misunderstanding and like, just like horrible judgment. And I don't know if it's upbringing or whatever, but I, I would I, like, I, if, if my kid ever made it in front of somebody that went through something like that, like, I mean, you know, having, being a kid that, grew up hearing these things like she so she was horror like so degraded that she she just dropped out of school and never went back at and in, in the eighth grade see it's just where did she grow up where where did uh, this happen troy troy new york it, it's about uh wow. 20 minutes south of albany i'm just so north. surprised now, was she sent back to your grandmother did That's she live it. the rest of her life with her or was she sent to a no 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 she, she went from she moved in with a, a cocaine deal. Oh my god! And she started selling cocaine and carrying guns, and wow. and and that guy would cheat on her and, and 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 beat her and stuff. She got him back one time though. She 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 told me there was one time she uh, she came up. She was wearing stiletto high heels. I think sixteen or seventeen, and she ran up and hit him in the back of the legs with a two by four. And then ran. <laughs> All right. You know, so, yeah. So like she went from that situation immediately into like Scarface, like, like bad, you know, like, which I can, you know, she, she obviously, she didn't have a good upbringing. So it's like, she didn't, you know, it, like, this is a guy, he's got a lot of money they're, they're taking trips you know, and stuff like that. And, and, and so she got 
addicted to cocaine for a little while, but but not for too long. Good. Like, you know, like she was a very good mother. You know, everybody has their problems. Like there is like, like there was a couple times, I think when I was, when I was younger that, that she was addicted to, to crack, but it was never like really prolonged periods. And it wasn't that often. Yeah. I, I, I like, I, 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 I'm not trying to make it <clears throat> excuses for her or anything, but you know, I think it's like the situation that she was in and the, and the people or the, you know, the person that she was with, um, just which was my stepdad and 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 he he had an awful upbringing too i don't think he was molested or anything but his his father was um very degrading to him and like he was the black sheep of the family and so he kind of he kind of projected that role onto me mm -hmm. growing up so I, I had a very like hot cold um upbringing where my mother was always so loving and um embracing and um you know stuff like that but my stepfather was very cold towards me and you know and i don't want to get into too much you know but yeah so her her story which you know honestly i would love to to make into a book or, or, or something because it's it is like it is a great story i mean I, i'm not saying the things that happen in them are great but it is a gripping human story yeah you know and and even as it's weird even as dark as i got like with my writing and stuff when i was younger like early teens and stuff i would write a lot about um sexual abuse and and actually being in that position i i i would uh, i i called myself a uh, rapist rob and a lot of people didn't understand it but my mom did mm -hmm. in a weird way she's like no he's 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 troubled and you know but and he's he's telling the stories of of his family, you know, and maybe not in the most healthy of ways, you know, but, and like, so like, like that stuff was very, very, um, very intense, you know, hearing that stuff. It's like, I growing up, like I, I couldn't imagine, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not sitting here being like, Oh, hearing it was so terrible. You know, it's like, I know that, you know, I, I couldn't imagine, I was lucky that I was never sexually abused as a kid yeah. or whatever, you know, like, I, and, but I think it's because my mom was very adamant that she was not going to, to let that happen. She was not going to be, she, she has this thing that I called, uh, fuck it or, or no, no, fuck that where, the things that happened to her, she is not going to, she's not going to just lay down and, and, and repeat the same mistakes that had happened to her, you know, like the, the neglect, 
and the just just letting our kids run the streets and you know and, and not really being too concerned and, and being too trusting of people and stuff you know like she which unfortunately a lot of people in my family especially on my mom's side don't have that yeah. like it is a repeating cycle that the kids are molested and then they end up molesting other and then they're, and then they're in prison and then those kids are going to grow up and probably do the same thing yeah and it's it's that you know what i love about this story is that she could have easily played the victim. I love the fact that she's yeah. so strong and she's, she's actually using it to grow and not say, well, this is why I'm an alcoholic. This is why I'm a crack addict. She goes, no, yeah. no I refuse to let that happen to me. <laughs> yes. And well, oh, I always, that's nasty. I, always <laughs> I always hate when people say that when they use excuse. So whenever somebody complains about something, I said, because my brother's wife is dying of pancreatic cancer. And oh, man. No, whenever. Yeah, she's. I feel really bad too. But whenever I hear somebody complaining, I said, "I bet you my brother's wife wishes she had your problem." Oh, you don't understand. I said, "I do understand. Your problem is nothing. Get over yeah. it." Yeah. It's like no, no. Exactly. Stories like this. It's like you know everybody has their own problems, but if, luckily for me, I'm able to step back when I'm feeling bad. Take almost like step and not a body experience. Look at myself. I'm like, Rich, come on. Life is pretty damn good. And I'm able to yeah. say that to myself all the time. And for the most part, I am like 99.9% like I am right now. I'm, I love my life. I love the way it's been going. I have no complaints about anything. I've done pretty much everything I wanted to do. So it's just that I love the fact that your mother is so strong and she used that to become even stronger. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know. I'd be I would ask her if she'd like to come on sometime if, if you ever wanted to talk to her. I would. Like, like and and that's one thing too. She she doesn't want to hide and and just kind of let these things fester and go on. Like she wants people to like she she wants people to hear the stories, you know, like like of not necessarily just like a like a pity me kind of thing, but like a things not to do, you know, and, and just have that out there and, and maybe she can help, you know, she, she wants to, she really just wants to help. Like she's always been an inspiration. Like anything I've ever done, she's always been a hundred and a thousand percent behind me, you know? And, and I owe like as much as I owe my talent and stuff and her inspiration to Rod and, and, and H.P. Lovecraft and, and, and Jim Morrison, I owe it. Like I owe everything to her. Yeah. That, that's know? nice. Let, 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 I would love to have her on the show and I'd love yeah. to have her talk about, because as I mentioned, you just said exactly what I was going to say. I said, just like when you mentioned with your music, I said, I think sometimes it may se- seem dark to you, but you're helping other people who are going through the same thing. Yeah. Your mother, there's so many people who probably have not exactly the same story as her, but things that have happened to them. And they're going to say, Thank you very much. Listening to you talk about and what you're doing now is helping me get over it. So I would love to have her. I think yeah. she's a, a great guest. She has a compelling story. And if she's not afraid to talk about it, which I know you told me she's not, yeah, definitely yeah. give her my information and I'll have her get yeah. But you, did mention, you mentioned that while she was held captive, one of the shows that she used to watch on TV was The Twilight Zone, right? Yes, yeah. And it was it was funny because um I 
I think you might have heard it because I, I had said it in the testimony about the, the can. When, yeah, take the when, can. Yeah, yeah, when me and my wife were uh, smoking a cigarette away from the building, just out of nowhere, a can rolled out of the bushes straight towards us. And I was just like, at first I was just like, oh, this is a weird can. Then I'm like, oh my God, it's a can. And it's funny because we had left that can there to grab it later. And then I, I saw a policeman going to, he had picked it up and he was going to throw it out in the trash. So I literally, I, I chased him and said, I'm, officer, officer. And he's like, he had it like directly over the garbage can. And he's like, he's like, yeah. I was like, can I have that can? <laughs> and, and I was like, I'm not going to smoke out of it or anything as it's like, uh, I know it's, it sounds crazy, but that, uh, you know, there's, there's a, we're at the twilight zone convention and there was a kick the can thing. And he was just like, yeah, here. He's like, yeah, <laughs> He's like, oh, you want to hear the story? Just yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yep. Yes. So, so, so we actually, we, we have that can. We, we, uh, I kept it. we, We've been bringing it around with us to, to certain things and just kicking it, just keeping the, you know, keeping the, the dream alive. Cause I think, you know, I think that's why it, it was there. And even if it wasn't, it's, it's still like, um, that's the beauty of that episode is holding on to that childhood uh, lust for adventure and, and mysteries and stuff, you know, like even as, as, as dark and as whatever as I and like my mom are, we are very much childlike at heart. You know, we have that child's like sense of wonderment and, you know, we love magic stories and, and like, you know, just really good stories and stuff. But, but she had, uh, I pulled the can out and she was like, Oh, kick the can. And I was like, I was like, yeah. She's like, yeah. She, that was an episode in particular that she loved. And, and um, so I was like, that makes sense because she is, she, she just, she, she lights up, you know, like, like she goes through her periods of uh, depression and stuff, but that's not all the time. And when she's happy and she's with her family and her kids, she's, you know, you would never, you, you know, you would never think that had happened to her because it's just so much love and innocence and you know like it's yeah. it's it's crazy so like childlike lust for for uh bonding and community and family and and also like games you know we play a lot of monopoly and card games and stuff like that and you know she's that's awesome yeah, so yeah no, it is. Kick the can. Yep. And you know what's funny about that episode in particular? Normally, I do not want anything to do with remakes or reboots, but yeah. Steven, Steven Spielberg's version of that story in the movie, Twilight Zone the movie, with Scatman Crothers. I <laughs> love his version. Yes. I think there's yes, even that bits of that that are actually better than the original episode. I just love the way he did it and how he ended it a little bit differently than the original episode. It yeah. Just, yeah, he... Yeah, that was a very... Um... I think I think Rod would have, or uh, or Richard was it Matheson. Richard, Richard Matheson? Yeah, I think he wrote yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. I I think they would have appreciated that because that was a good, you know, like that was a good alternate ending. You know, yeah. like it, it, it's still very, still very Twilight Zone. You know, 
Oh yeah. It's it is still very Twilight Zone and and um on the guy but the guy in the in the show at the end is just so heartbreaking. He's just like take me with you. Yeah. Take oh, me in, with in both you. episodes. I mean in yeah. the movie and but I like the fact in the movie because in the in the original TV episode they're all kids and they run off and you're thinking like how are they going to live? What are they going to do? Yeah, yeah. That's how they brought that into the movie. Yeah. Like, I miss being an adult. I miss this. And so they had yeah. a chance to be young again, but then they went back to the reality and then they were able to appreciate their life even more, mm-hmm. knowing that they did were able to go back. And then that one guy who never had a chance, no, give me a chance. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a yeah. great, powerful episode. It, it really is. And, and, and they both work. Because yes. you know what, like, 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 even if like uh, you don't know where they go or whatever, it's like they have a whole, like, they have their whole lives ahead of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they can make it work, and that's, you know, that's like, I love some of the real open endedness of um, of how the things end. You know, like, like sometimes a bow, everything, you know, with a bow on top at the end can kind of make it stale you know mm-hmm. like 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 hp lovecraft he used to end a lot of stuff and you, you they would just be like oh my god they're coming and then it was just you know so then you're left to like like did he get away did you know like did they kill him if, if they did kill him how did they kill him you know yeah. and it's like some people want it which i understand like some people want it like just tell me or whatever, but I was like, you can tell yourself, like, you know, go through your mind and like, what, you know, what can you come up with? You know, like what, like what is, what would be cool for that? You know, and I've actually started writing some uh, short stories my myself. Oh, really? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I I came out with one book. It was called uh, Confessions of a Frenetic Mind. You find it in Amazon. And it's called Five Tales of Blood Curdling Terror, which is not really yeah. funny. It's yeah, check it out on Amazon. I actually it, it came out three years ago, and I was able to do it was before COVID. I did all the book signings at Barnes and Noble. Was, I had so much fun doing That's it. That's awesome. Yeah, I it, it went very well. But um, if you read the stories, there's a lot more humor in it because I mentioned I was a stamp comedian and I love humor. Yeah. But, so when when I did I did um one book signing at Barnes and Noble. Then I did another one at the Morris Library, which is in Connecticut. And what happened was that one happened during COVID. COVID started, so I did it through Zoom. And somebody was saying I was doing a reading of it. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize it was going to be that funny. I said, obviously, they don't know who I am. And it was yeah. funny. So it's if, you, if, you, if you read the book or if I get one to you, um, I think you can appreciate it. It's just five yeah. times. And no, but that's I, awesome. I, I love, as I mentioned, I love the twist endings slash downer endings just because it's yes. more realistic. And and somebody that best epitomizes that is uh, David Lynch. All his movies end, they're like, what the hell just happened? He always says, he goes, I want you to come up with however you think it should end. You create your own ending for you. He goes, I gave you the story. Now you you interpret it the way you want to. He does that a lot with his movies. Now, Now, which movies has he done? He has done Twin Peaks. He has done Eraserhead. He has done, uh, oh my God, there's so many other movies that he's done. Um, Lost Highway is another one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I actually don't think I've seen many of his movies. Blue Velvet. If you're gonna check out any of his movies, Blue yeah. Velvet with Dennis Hopper is the best one. I mean, his most, his most, um, like 
mainstream movie is the elephant man he did that one but for the most part his movies oh, are very, yeah, odd, yeah. very weird yeah but check out blue velvet with uh dennis hopper it is weird but very good to me, yeah yeah mo- like movies and stories like that are good you know like sometimes it's good to break out of the linear beginning middle end or or maybe not even that specifically but just like the you know the very linear stories where you can just kind of see where it's going yeah like i've noticed it a lot like about shows and stuff i watched today i can kind of just see where it's going yeah well that's why i mentioned before i said the shows today you can i mean it's the same shows with just a different name they're so afraid to try anything new it's so um pre-packaged yeah nothing original about it and it's just it's and it's it was funny i when i had mark dewidziak on it because i i mentioned how i can't stand reality shows and what tv shows Mm -hmm. know and he said Mm -hmm. you want to know how reality shows got started he said there was a tv strike a writer strike and what happened was they needed some programming so they came out with survivor and it was only Mm -hmm. supposed to be a summer hit or a summer show until the writers the union got back together and they made a deal that made so much money. They're like, ha ha, this is cheap yeah. to make. We can, do, and then unfortunately that set off all these horrible shows. So I'm not afraid to say that shows today suck. I, I love, yeah. I mean, to me, the shows from the, even some of the shows in the nineties, as I mentioned, Cheers, Seinfeld, those were probably, yeah. for me, the last mm-hmm. great shows. After that, it's just, everything is just so stale, so predictable, so homogenized. Yeah. One word boring. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's yep. And that's why I think like like the Twilight Zone is at for even as old it is as it is, it's it's just refreshing to have a new story. Yeah. Like like every episode, you know. Yeah. Well as I you mentioned uh the we talked about the different writers. Obviously, I'm guessing that Rod Serling was your favorite writer for that show. Did um actually um well yes i i would definitely i would say but but one of my favorite episodes which is is up there definitely top three is is a richard matheson one that rod serling had bought the script for and changed it up a little bit but um um i think it was and and when the sky was opened which one was that that was the one where um which i actually have an autograph card from from the from the uh actually it's funny from you the actor rod got, taylor you you gave me these in, uh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i gotta say I, I wanted to talk about i want to talk about that afterwards because that you right the one i showed showed you is the talkie tina moving card yeah uh, yep yeah yeah yeah, yeah so that's you, awesome i want to talk about the different memorabilia you have from that but from the sky is falling i'm sure i saw i see i've seen every episode over the years yeah it's hard for me to remember uh what i did recently was uh because there's one video store in Connecticut. It's they have a video. So I don't have the streaming service that shows the Twilight Zone. So I went to the video store, rented. They had it by season, so I had rented yeah. season five. And there's one episode. I. It's so funny. I didn't even realize this. There's an episode where this little girl disappears through the wall. And oh she, yeah. Like, mommy, mommy. Little girl lost. Get, yes. And yeah, so I kept on saying to myself, one. "That is poltergeist." And it's funny because yeah. Steven yep. Spielberg, Richard Matheson worked together mm-hmm. with Joel. He loved Richard Matheson. And obviously that was a huge inspiration for yeah. I mean, it basically was poltergeist in a half hour. 
And coincidentally, I, I think the the actor, I, I don't know his name, but the actor that plays the dad in that episode, the father, he also plays uh, a, a main character in the in the episode uh, and when the sky was open. Here, okay. actually, if it's cool, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna grab my cards real quick. No, go right ahead. <laughs> Just the uh, autographed ones. While we're waiting, we are speaking with Rob Bull, Twilight Zone aficionado and musician. We're gonna get into okay. that. And here he comes back. Yeah. Back so to the um, close corner with Rob Bull. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome, man. I mean, if and if you wouldn't mind, I I would definitely be down to um to come back because I have a it it seems like we have a lot of stuff to that oh, yeah. we can talk about. I I I've been doing that a lot lately with my interviews where I'm like yeah yeah you know Stanley Livingston he played Chip and my three sons. We've done four episodes where he's like Rich I gotta go but I I said well I have more to talk to you about so you come back for another two hours. He's Rich I gotta go. I said all right we'll come back so I've interviewed him four times already. <laughs> So yeah, I definitely That's love awesome. to have you back. Yeah, yeah. This is, it's it's not the actor, but um, that is one of the actors from um, when the sky was open. Yeah, uh, I remember that. Rod I remember Taylor. The name. Yes, he was and, a lot uh, of the same actors. I mean, you had Jonathan Winters, you had Jack Klugman, you had uh, Peter Falk was in a couple of them. You had a lot of different actors that yeah that were in multiple. William Shatner was in multiple episodes. Yep. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, so in that episode, it, it's, it's three, um, astronauts or, or, or military, uh, aircraftsmen that, um, take an, ex, uh, an experimental aircraft up in, up into space. And I think this was, it was before, like we got into space. So I think the, the idea was exploring, like, like what could happen, like, you know, like, cause we don't know what's up there. So. So they go up there and they they drop off of radar for an hour and then they they crash land back on the planet. But um, there's no damage to the ship or anything. And they, they have minor, very minor in, uh, injuries and stuff. And so they're just kind of like, like, oh, was, you know, that was, that was pretty crazy. Now let's go get drunk because, you yeah. know, and uh, and so so they go to. Um, you know, they go start drinking and, and the one guy who plays, um, the father from the little girl lost episode starts to feel like weird. Like, and he, he says, he's like, he feels like if he just lets go, he could disappear, you know, and he's getting these weird feelings. So he calls home and like his parents don't know who he is. And they tell him to stop calling, stop prank calling. And, Eventually, that guy he just disappears in a phone booth when the the Rod Taylor character is at the bar, and and there's like a newspaper on the on the bar, and it had changed, so there was like there was the it's like uh, three airmen come back from space, and then when he goes back after the guy disappears, he looks at the paper and it says two airmen come back, so he starts going crazy and I, I love the episode because he's just he's just running around screaming harrington because that's that was the guy's name so he's just like he's, he's calling all these people that knew him knew him for years and stuff and, and he's like harrington ed harrington and he's just like going crazy because nobody knows like who he's talking about and 
So he's like, he's like, ah, it's got to be some kind of joke. It's got to be. So he goes back to the bar and my favorite scene, probably one of my favorite scenes in all the Twilight Zone episodes was, it's just him, Rod Taylor. He's standing outside of the, the bar plate and it's closed. And then out of nowhere, he just smashes through the window and screams at the top of his lungs, Harrington. It's, it's just so hilarious. But, and then, so, and then he starts getting that feeling. He disappears and finally the last guy disappears. And then there's no, and then the spaceship disappears and there's no trace of them ever. They just disappeared. And that one's a very open-ended one. Cause you don't, there's like, it, there's no explanation of what happened. There's no, not, you know, and that one would hit me. That one was a good scary one because it's that existential. It reminds me of a lot of like Lovecraft uh, horror where you don't get answers. You just get the horror of it, you know, yeah. and then, and then everything is gone. And then, so, and then, so you're left. It's like, you feel afraid because you don't know what the hell, you know, like, you don't get any answers. Yeah, and no, so I, I love that. That's I was trying to think of like some of my favorite episodes and the ones I can come up with right off the bat are the ones that are obviously the most popular, but when I was watching season five, I saw episodes that I have not seen in years. And one of the ones about astronauts that I liked was they go up in space and the ship breaks down. And so one of the guys takes oh, off yeah. and he finds these little people that live there and he becomes oh. their king. And he goes, I don't want to oh. leave. I'm, they love me here. And then at the very end, this big guy comes up and picks him up. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. And then the other yes. guy. Yeah, that was another. I, he, that is a great twist. Yeah. And then, of course, I loved the talkie Tina one with Telly Savalas. That is just one of my own. Yeah. That was like the original Chucky. <laughs> or yeah. actually the original original uh, trilogy of terror, which Richard Matheson wrote. This was the yes. other. I had the beholder. Yeah. Yeah. That It's another like hologram type one. It's it's the only other one we have. Yep. Yeah. So you got the other one. You got the talkie Tina and we got the. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for giving me that. I have that and I have. A bunch yeah, of no, cards. Absolutely. I actually gave a couple more cards out to, to people oh, yeah. too. I, I was actually, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I, I was actually going there and I was like, oh, maybe because we had some cards that we weren't that um, crazy about, which might sound like, like we don't care about the show or whatever, but it was more like, I was like, oh, we could sell these and get cards that we, you know, like really want. And, but actually like once, but I had given you uh, one, and and this is this is kind of uh, a crazy story. Um, so, were you there for the auction? Yes, I was. Um, did you take any of the cards that they no. were giving out? No. So, so and uh, it's crazy because they had a check there. I, we didn't see it, but they had a check that, that Rod Serling had signed. Yep, I did yeah, see that. Yeah, one lady got it. And after that, I was like, like, there was one lady that kept saying, like, oh, anybody who uh, bought raffles, take cards. And nobody was taking cards, so I took some. And then I leaned over and I was like, hey, I was like, to, to my wife, I was like, hey, you grab some cards, too, because it's a big box. And you know, and we collect them like we have, I think, like 
act like full collections i think we might have wow like five or six of like full series which is like actually a guy that was on a facebook page was like hey does anybody want these binders they're they're full series there's no autographs or whatever but they're full series and whoever wants them will just uh you can pay shipping because he was just trying to downsize on his stuff that he had or whatever and so we were like, yeah, no, yeah, we'll take those. Like, I didn't even know they had Twilight Zone cards uh, probably up until last year, which is kind of crazy to think because we have so many now. Well, yeah. um, and so we did that. And the guy was like, OK, where do you want to send it? And so we gave him our address. And he was like, he's like, this is crazy because it was like he lived kind of like not too far away from us. And, and he lives in California now. He's like, oh, it, it kind of feels right because he's sending them back home. Mm-hmm. So that really was cool. cool. Yeah. So, so, so I told Ashley, uh, my wife, to to get some, like, just to grab some cards, uh, too. And we were going through and looking at them, and there was one autograph card that um, that I think I had found. I had found, and I didn't. For some reason, I, I just didn't read it. Or whatever like I, I just saw that it was like a, a little kid so i was like ah i was like oh you know because it's not like it wasn't somebody i recognized mm-hmm. so i didn't read the name and she was like and i gave it to her and she was like is she's like this is ron howard and i'm oh. like and i'm like was it Clint? i'm like i'm like no i don't think so no it was, it, it was the uh well maybe it was the, the, the wilcox boy oh i told you it was a billy Moomy. I'm no, uh, uh, no, 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 no. Ron Howard was uh, he was in the walking distance. Oh, I forgot about that. So, yeah, which was insane because so we got this at a Rod Serling convention in Binghamton, New York. Like and, and it's from the walking distance episode, which we went to the park the next day. Like we were going to the park the next day. Yep. And, and and this and it's funny because my mom's last name is Wilcox. Oh wow! So, so it's all connected. So that's right? really cool. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. This is actually it's one of the rarest cards. Wow, that that's cool. Well, I'm glad that you got it because I like to see people we were actually blown. appreciate it and actually are true fans instead of somebody that said, "Oh, this is, and they'll put it in a box." Yeah, and forget about. It. So it's nice to see it's somebody that the show means so much to you and your wife. That you you got something like that. So let me ask you about that because I didn't stay f- for the next day. So you went to the big carousel exhibit the next day. Yes. So I saw the documentary yeah. on that. They had that. We stayed up like like after we had gotten this card, we were kind of hyped up. So we yeah. we kind of stayed up towards the morning, like the morning hours. So we um so we actually didn't go there with the whole oh, okay. group of people, but we did go there uh later. I think it was I think we had gotten there by like five and I think everybody got there at like 10 AM. But so, and but it was, it was, it was still awesome. Like, yeah. Like, have you ever been on the, uh, on the carousel or no, it's awesome. Maybe I can, I, I, I send you a video that I took cause I was, when we were waiting in line to get on it, you know, like the, the carousel has like a carousels have like artwork and stuff on yeah. top. They can't really see when it's moving. So I took a slow motion video of it and, I, and I'm watching and there's like, like most of the artwork is that's stuff from the twilight zone episodes or, or yeah, like stuff from the twilight zone. 
which I thought was amazing. Like I had like the cannabis, like a scene from the the um, uh, Serve Man and um, Time Enough at Last. Well, did you see the documentary that they showed there? Because it was all about that painting the carousel. No, no. Oh, oh. You know what? That makes sense. Yeah. No, we we actually didn't see that one. Okay. We went out for lunch. I think at that at that point. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a whole thing on it, and it, there was like a twenty-five to thirty-minute documentary, and they talked about that, and they showed the oh, making of yeah. how they did that, and they showed them painting it, which they found out afterwards because somebody asked me. Were they filming it while you were? No, those were all recreations of them making, doing all this. It was like they wanted to get the most iconic. Yeah. They wanted to make it where if you see a picture or a painting, you knew exactly what it was, what episode. It, they wanted to have only iconic scenes and that kind of iconic moments on that carousel. Yes. So it's completely. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And they definitely are. I was like, I definitely recognized all of them. I can't remember off the top of my head what they all were, but I remember yeah. watching them. I'm like, oh, that's that. That's that. Yeah. The, I, I probably missed it, unfortunately. When I was there, they were going to have a showing of one of the Twilight Zones with an orchestra. I think it was the Twilight. Yeah. And they were going to um, do a live thing. And I think no. I missed it. They, I had thought that that's what they were doing too, but they didn't. So, so the uh, Philharmonic... Yeah. 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 That was kind of weird. Cause I, uh, that's the impression that I had gotten to like that there was going to be violins and stuff, but no, it was just the guy playing piano. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I, I th so I think that guy, he was, yeah, I think he's the, either the composer or whatever the, yeah. So he's the guy that, that, that I think is the head of the Philharmonic. So I think, I think there was kind of just like some miscommunication there. Mm -hmm. Cause I remember being like, I like it, it was good. I, I I really enjoyed it, but I was definitely like I was like, oh, that's gonna be amazing hearing that with like violins and yeah and stuff like that. So it, that was a little disappointing, but it was still it was still very good. Okay, you know? yeah, no, I, I right, so I miss it. Yeah, I, I was gonna go there thinking it was exactly what you said. So now I'm kind of glad because oh wait, I mean, oh we were you talking at wait we were you talking about at the um. The carousel. There were it, it might have been a different event. I was yes, the okay, yeah, the Philharmonic Orchestra, yeah. and they said oh, I thought you, you were go. talking. I, I thought you were talking about the day of the oh no, like like the long day at the um at the Forum Theater. Oh, yeah, okay, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I had I was wearing one of my Rod Serling shirts, and um and there was a a guy sitting at one of the the benches, like an older guy. He seemed like he was like. I think he was taking a break from taking a jog or whatever, but he was like, he was like, Oh, you like uh, Rod Serling? And I was like, yeah, sat down with him, talked to him for a little bit. And he was saying how every year they do, they do that. there, the, the Philharmonic. Um, I think they do it like twice around the same time. And I think if you go for like, if you go for the rehearsal, it's free, but if you, and then if you go for the actual showing, then it's um, then you got to pay or whatever. But who's basically saying like if you wanted to there was a way to see it free okay oh good yeah, no, the one i wanted to go to which is probably what you're talking about now was 25 dollars mm -hmm. and, and they said it was the full orchestra but i think i'm i think i missed it i brought yeah. i put it in my yeah, emails and i just unfortunately but i uh I, I love going to things like that, especially this time of the year. They show in Connecticut anyway. They have different movie theaters to have the orchestra with either uh, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Caligari or they have a 
Phantom of the Opera they're showing. That's but, awesome. Yeah, I, I That's love cool. music. Yeah, it is really cool. And I did another one, which was, wasn't a horror movie, but it was a uh, Charlie Chaplin movie. And it was a no Buster Keaton movie, which wow. is a perfect segue to that Twilight Zone episode that he was in. He was in a great episode. I don't know if you saw that. Well, I'm sure you saw it. It was the one where he finds a time machine and he goes back into the 50s and oh, he yeah. hates life. Yeah. The guy from the 50s was, I want to go back to your time. And then he was so bored because it wasn't like he thought it was going to be in Charlie uh, Buster Keaton was like, ah, I love being back home. Right. He was so yeah. confused by that's all the, the one technology. that starts out like a, like a silent movie, right? Yes. Yep. That's with, with like the honky tonk piano and stuff. Yeah. 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 So it was done. That was a great one. Yeah. That was a really good artistic uh, choice there. I really like that. Yeah. Buster Keaton. So I, I'm not a huge aficionado of him, but the movies I've seen, the guy was just brilliant. So, and I love the fact that he had such a great sense of humor that he was on that show and they made it. I, I have a feeling it was Matheson that wrote that episode too. Could be wrong, but I think it was Matheson. Yeah. That could seem like a Matheson type episode. Yeah. Well, it was funny because they were, I was reading that Mark Scott's a creep book, the Twilight Zone companion. And they were talking about the differences in writing. And they said, Matheson and Charles Beaumont definitely had the darker side. While, um, certainly had more of the emotional human connection side yes stories like like uh night of the meek that's definitely yes. one yeah. that i think that was one of the first ones that i saw that i was like wow like like it unlocked like some kind of i don't know just like connection to the show and i was like oh this is so much more than what a lot of people think it is like the show you know yeah, I, like me and my buddy actually now we're writing a. Um, well, he wrote he wrote an instrumental, and I'm writing some lyrics for uh, for a Christmas song, and I'm kind of loosely basing it on the Night of the Meek. All right, I love that. All right, let's talk about your band because is it just you writing music, or do you have a full band? Um, I, I have a couple guys that um I I work with. Like uh, I'm not necessarily like I just kind of go by my name because I, I feel like um, like for like the solo stuff I do, I feel like I, I, I don't really need a, um, a different kind of stage name or whatever, because with my dark and satanic imagery, like the, the name bull already puts the, you know, the horns there. So I can, you know, it's very easy to, to use that, but um. I've been in a couple bands. Um, one was a uh, Hermetica. That was like the first band band I was in. We did a lot of we did a lot of covers, um, like old like um, blues and rock, like Led Zeppelin and um, uh, House of the Rising Sun and that kind of stuff. But, but we wrote our own stuff too. So so what I've been doing now is my buddies just kind of come over and we. Um, we just like they make the uh instrumentals and i write um i go into my trance or whatever not really i don't go into the but I, you know i i just try to pull from certain um imagery and stuff that calls to me like a lot of um old um ancient stuff whether it's e uh egyptian or or Catholic imagery and stuff like that. Maybe not necessarily all the good uh, imagery from Catholicism, but actually there's one great episode of Twilight Zone that does have 
an, an angel in it. So it can kind of seem like very, maybe not very uh, Christian or Catholic or whatever, but um, which I, I relate to a lot. It's called um, Passage for a Trumpet, I think it was. Oh, is that Jack Klugman? Yes. Yeah. I, I know I what love, you're talking about. That's a great I, episode. I I relate so much to that episode where it's like I've, you know, people like when you do art and stuff, it's like I don't make really any money from what I do. Like I, I've made money and stuff, but I'm basically just trying to get up a um, like a, a library of stuff and like getting all of my because my lyrics and stuff now they're very I don't know like it very like better than they've ever been I'm I'm, I'm really good with wordsmithing now and, and telling the stories that I want to that I want to tell so it's more or less getting the the instrument stuff down because I haven't really played music in a while so I'm very rusty with that with like creating like I have um, like written a lot of in, uh, instrumental songs, but as of lately, it's just been really hard to do that kind of stuff. My writing's been incredible. It's like a curse. My writing's incredible, but my, you know, it's like I, I, I can't make, and I can't make an instrumental to match the writing now. You know, but to me, it's I think it's more impressive. It's probably better for you, and I'm going to explain why that you're better with lyrics. The music right now, because lyrics, I think for me, I think would be more difficult to write. And it's going to help you with your writing. If you're writing short stories or novels, novellas, whatever you're writing. Yeah. I think so the two will go hand in hand. So I think it's, if you're going to have a curse where you can only do one thing, I'd rather have writer's block on the music side personally. And then you, with the lyrics, just have them pour right out of you. Right. Did you ever, um, did you get a chance to listen to those, to those I songs that I sang? Yes, yeah? I loved it. Awesome. <laughs> no, great cool. songs. And you showed me, I'm trying to remember, because you showed me a song when I met you in New York, in Binghamton. Was yeah. that one of the songs or was that a different song? That, that was the one that was about the Twilight Zone, right? Yes, yeah, yeah that one was the, um, it's called uh, Queen of the Twilight Zone. That was one of my, actually, my first, one of my first, like, story, story um, songs that I, I, I guess it would, what would it be uh, concept songs. Because like then I was I was I was really loving the Twilight Zone. I I was absorbing like the essence of it, you know, not yeah. like absorbing so I can recreate it, but just like absorbing the messages and the and and the, the like the storytelling within that. So I had came up with something that was I, I guess it was kind of similar to uh, perchance to dream, but for me it was a little different, you know. It, which I think Rod did and, and other artists did. Like I usually like if I'm writing a song that's about somebody or whatever, I'm usually that, you know, the character, you know, cause I, and, and I feel like that's what, that's what really, you know, pushes you. Like if you can make a, a character that's not you, but it's also like you can kind of, it is coming from you, you know, like it's, it's obviously, yeah. it's not you because you're writing about somebody else, but aspects of you inside that, then you can kind of, you kind of give people, it sucks people in, in a way where it's convincing, you know, yeah. like you've, 
so that's been my kind of like storytelling is I've really just been trying to like suck people in and like kind of mess with their minds, but not necessarily in a bad way, you know, like kind of making them think, you know, in a way where I feel like a decent amount of music today doesn't do. Yeah. I agree with you that know? too. Music, just like TV is not the same as it was. And I'm not one of those people, hey, get off my long young, younger youngsters. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not one of those old guys that are streaming, yelling, saying, oh, yeah. my day. But yeah, like for me, I, I can get down to, with it. But yeah, there's some that's good. But for the most part, and for me, I go back to even before my youth. I was born in 68. But I love the music from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and even 80s. Yeah. To me, it might not be popular. I go back to 40s. Oh, yeah. No, I like something. Uh, like, you mentioned Dean Martin. I love Dean yeah. Martin. I love the whole. Billy Holiday. Years. Yeah, definitely. Billy Holiday. There was a great movie on her recently that I saw. You know, so I'm, I'm, I Cole love. Cole Porter. <laughs> what was that? Cole, Cole Porter. Porter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah which I think I, he's from like the 40s. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, I just love. I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm, I feel like a soul out of time. Yeah. You know, but like, but also not in like a, I think I can use that to kind of, you know, give people other perspectives and, and stuff like that and, and use that being out of time, combining it with modern technology and ideas to make it somewhat timeless, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that music is timeless. That's why people still listen to it. A lot of the music today, just like we mentioned with uh, TV shows, they're prepackaged. They're yeah. like even, I mean, all they do now are get bubblegum rapper. Just yeah. Well, they get four guys or four young kids that look alike, sound alike, talk alike, dance alike, and mm. then they get old. All right, let's get four new kids. Yeah. They look alike, sound alike, talk alike, dance alike. It's just it's never yeah. You never have a band like the Beatles. Or Rolling Stones, more Beatles. Or The Doors. The like, Doors, yeah. But I mean, The Beatles, the way they progressed. Tiny like, Tim. Yes, I met him. That guy is <laughs> really? Great. Yeah, That's I to, awesome. I, I will send you That's the picture. Incredible. I, there's a, yeah, please do. That's awesome. The guy is was hilarious. And uh, he was at a place called Spooky World. He was incredible. Yeah. Tiptoe through the through two. Through the two loops, yep. So it was funny. Like my friends and I were like, tiptoe, tiny tiptoe. He was like, all right, I'll play for these guys right here. And he, it's funny because you know what I love about SpongeBob. him. SpongeBob, SpongeBob blew him up. Yeah, exactly. And I had a living in the sunlight, having a wonderful time. I had a chance to talk to him, and this guy is not—he's not, he's not um, a character. He is exactly what you see. Yeah, nothing. I mean, if you go back to the days when he got married on the Johnny Carson show and all that, I mean, he there's nothing fake about this guy he is exactly who he is there's he's not it's not like he gets off stage I love, and he goes, yeah hi rich how you doing he is but he was so i love so people good. like that you know yep. that's where like i i, I differ because i'm like like when i get up on stage and stuff i'm a very different person than i am actually like i i'm a very like quiet reserved person yeah i i kind of see myself as almost like a like a I wrote it in X or something. I've been writing that it's a, like a like a sentinel, like a like a like a, a faceless entity that just kind of watches, observes, and reports back. Yeah, you know, I and it's like I mean I'm not necessarily antisocial. I I love human interactions and stuff like that, but 
I'm definitely like, it's um, like there's been shows and stuff that, that I've done where I, the people just like, they don't, they don't know what's about to happen because I just kind of, I sit in the back and I don't really say much and I look nervous because I am, I'm terrified. But then once I get up on stage, it's like a, you know, and it's like, I, I wouldn't be tooting my own horn if, if, if like I like didn't, didn't feel it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, maybe not necessarily feel it, but like the response that I've gotten back from people, uh, it's, it's like an insane, you know, I go up and I just, I do my thing and I just kind of, I, I enter like this fugue state. Usually it's a madness where I'm just screaming and I'm pacing back and forth. I, I, I'm screaming in a way where it's, I'm not like doing death metal screaming. It's just like visceral human screaming and like, with you know to, to a key and stuff usually but sometimes I, I will just do it and then I, I I and I just kind of it, it, it's up and down where it's like you can't really expect when I'm gonna start going you know going to that crazy place and then just kind of going back down and just start crooning and then you know like like taking them through a journey and which is funny because for me it's uh, when i'm up there it's actually just it's mostly anxiety that's why i'm doing it because it makes me feel comfortable if i can just kind of like break out of myself and just kind of let like controlled madness take over you know like i don't like cut myself break stuff over my head or whatever but i just that's the theatrics like 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 what i was talking about like like uh jim morrison just kind of taking people through that and uh like i've gotten off stage and places and stuff and like older people that you know like i i, I they come up to me and i and i see it in their eyes and it's very it's jarring because i don't know what to say when they're just like uh, that was incredible it was like it was like seeing like like something akin to like jim morrison or, or greatness or something and i just you know and and that sounds like I'm, I'm patting myself on the back, but it, it, it's kind of uncomfortable it, it, because, you know, it's like, I wish I knew how to harness that and be that all the time, you know? Well, you know, it's funny. I think people like I, I told you I was in bands and, uh, mm -hmm. and people say, Oh, you're arrogant. I said, no, there's a difference. I'm confident. So there's a difference between yes. confidence and arrogance, but similar to you, like I'm, I've always felt comfortable on stage, like doing yeah. bands, comedy stand -up, motivational speaking book tours whatever i was doing i always i love a big crowd so really? for me, yeah it was like i'm terrified of, <laughs> yeah it was more of a fun thing where mm -hmm. like, so we had a song called mental hospital my friends made me a straight tag i came running out nobody knew it. the music started even the band goes where the hell is rich where the hell is rich come run out as soon as the music starts jump off stage with a straight jacket start moshing around and that's there's an article awesome. in this magazine. It's that's that, awesome. I was literally knocked off my feet from their performance because I knocked her down. I didn't realize it. And so another one we had was just fun. We had the song called um, "Death to Dino." I just Dino on a news that'd be it just. And that's it, awesome. People that's all theatrics, man. Yeah, that's what people one, want. Yeah, well, another Shakespearean. You know, yeah, no, exactly. I'm going to tell you a story that best proves that because there was a band. Later, I joined, and they had a song called uh, "Ritual of the Walking Dead." I said, "Come on, this is I, I 
let's take ourselves a little bit more, not so seriously. Yeah. So I bought this six foot tall inflatable Gumby and I changed the name of the song Ritual of the Walking Gumby. The band at first was pissed off. Oh my God, we want, they're going to be a joke. People, that was in 1989, people still come up to me and say, oh, the Gumby guy. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. So people remember that. And they used to come up to me like, you know, Rich, the only reason I come to your show is I want to see what you're going to do. I said, good, because I have no idea what I'm going to do. One time I kicked, I did a stage dive. I got lifted up. I kicked out the light. They had to hire the lights. And they said, we never saw anybody get that high. I just That's, that's awesome, man. I used to have man, so you, sound, you sound crazier than me. Oh, yeah. Jeez. I used to have a lot gotta, of fun. I got to step my game up. I got to. I got I got to harness some uh, Rich Sear from the eighties. <laughs> Everybody used to always say like you're like the Energizer Bunny. You just wind you. It was like, do you ever stop? I said no. It's just I just have That's so awesome, much man. fun, and it's. Um, but I'm yeah. bringing that up only to say that I had the same reactions, and people still mention that to me. Oh, like on Facebook, somebody's like, "Hey, I remember you seeing you in eighties with the Dino." I said, "But yep." I would love to um, like. I don't know what we could do, but I would love to work with you sometime. I'm, I'm, Let's do it. Some writing or uh, shows or whatever, you know. And I'm not, I'm not in really anything for, for money right now. You know, I honestly, I would be happy to die the way that H.P. Lovecraft did, thinking that he was nothing and he was going to be forgotten. But then he, but then after he passes, his stuff blows up and and, and is you know so impactful. You That's know, sad thing years. about so many artists. That's a tragedy. Yeah, it's always a tragedy, and I, I think now I've realized that, and I'm like, I'm kind of comforted in that, where it's like, I know I don't get much. I don't really push my stuff that much. Uh, like this is the most I've pushed or like talked about publicly my music in a long time because I don't like being. I don't know. It's weird. I, I I like being mysterious, but but I think that also comes from my just it makes me uncomfortable talking a lot about um, like stuff I do and create. I mean, not really in this conversation so much, but, you know, like talking to other people that are just like, Oh, you do music. Oh, that's cool. You know, yeah. where it's, you know, like I've gotten, you know, I've had family members and stuff like that, that just kind of blow it over and like, kind of just like disrespect yeah. me in, in, in a way, and and not only just family members, but you know the people from the past too, which which helps. I I have some of that fuck that that my that my mom has, so I yeah. I thrive being an underdog, and you know, but but I think you know just being like degraded and lot as like a kid, and then stuff like that. I I don't really push myself that much, but I no, I, I, I think I, you should. I I. Yeah. Just, People always, it's funny because people always say, Rich, can you teach me how to promote? Because they, I don't like talk. I said, you have to make people think, especially I did this during comedy the most. I said, you have to make them think that if you miss this show, you're going to miss the, the yeah. event of a lifetime because you have to let people. So I love promoting myself. And, and I said, that is a completely different animal. That's a completely different thing. Yeah. Than, you know, the whole That's a full-time job. It is. And I'd spent when I would get something ready. And then after I was, I would just spend the next, I don't know how many weeks or months, just like even with this show, as soon as this comes out, you're going to see it all. Well, you're not, on, I don't know if you're on Facebook. Yeah, you are on Facebook. So you'll, you'll see it all over the place and you'll see it in all these different groups. I'll put it in metal groups. I'll put it in twilight zone groups. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put this everywhere. So I, and 
So I, I love the, the uh, promotion aspect of it, but there's so many people I know that. Yeah. Or like yeah, you would say, that's Rich, what you makes have to me help uncomfortable. That. That's what makes me uncomfortable. Like, like yeah. promoting myself it, because that, I don't know. It makes me it, like, even though I, I believe as much as I do in, and like the, the products that I put out there, it's still, it feels like I'm being phony or something. If I'm, maybe that's like the uh, curse or something where it's, you know, like you don't like, I don't want to oversell it, you know? So, so it's like, I end up not selling it at all. <laughs> no, I, I think you should oversell it every yeah. time. That's just my opinion because let people say, and finally they're going to be, what the hell is, I got to check this out. Who is yeah. this guy? I'll yeah, give you an example. Do you know Evil Knievel? I'm sure you heard of him. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So there's uh, this is a perfect example. Evil Knievel, when he was first starting out with Caesar's Palace, he would call up every day and say, is, um, is Evil Knievel going to be there? And you're like, no, I never heard of him. So the next day he called, it's like Evil Knievel? Who's that? And finally, the third or fourth time, it's like, Evil Knievel? Who is this evil guy? So fine. So we got to hire him. I don't know who he is. And it was him calling. That's him. hilarious. He kept getting his name wrong every time to make it seem like it was just this guy asking about evil. And that's so, hilarious. Yeah. But that's he, genius. It is. Yeah. And, uh, but he's just like, he's another one back in the seventies. He was the master of promotion of everything. I mean, I, I, this is what gets me mad about him when people say, Oh yeah. You know, all these other kids on BMX bikes are breaking his records. I said, this guy, these bikes are made for that what they do now when he was doing it, he had a, you know, a couple hundred pound bike that was not yeah. made for jumping he was the over first. 12 buses. Yeah. Yeah. He was the first, he was like, the, he's like the Elvis of, of, uh, of stunts of like, exactly. of that kind of stuff. You know, like he had to, he, he had like, he, he paved the way for the people that are doing it now, you know, like including his son, Rob, yep. Robbie Knievel and, and Rob, there are people who say, Oh, well, Robbie beat every record evil. I said, still, Robbie has the, the way they're making things now. It's it's not easy, but it's easier for them to oh, do yeah. what they were doing. Yeah. And so they got more horsepower. Yes, better uh, suspension, all that kind of stuff. Better like safety equipment. And stuff. I mean, I mean, I like on a motorcycle, you're kind of yeah, you're not really. Not, I don't really know how you make that much safer, but you know, the, it it was just like he was just testing it. Like it was something that's really not wasn't done then so he's like i'm gonna yeah what the hell yep but he would because he would start off at these uh because i love watching documentaries on people that interest me and i saw like several on evil and he would do what and the reason i'm bringing him up was because when he first started out he would go to these little rodeos and different things like that yeah and he would have to promote the hell out of himself so i believe and i will help you promote i definitely want to work with you we're going to be talking more off the air i want to work with you help you with whatever we, whatever collaboration we could do. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. You and I have just talking to you at the Twilight Zone Sterling Fest. I could see we had a lot in common. Now talking to you for two hours, we definitely have a lot. Yeah. Yeah. In common yeah. With movies, it, music, books. So yeah. I definitely see a collaboration. Yeah. A bull production or bull sear, whatever you want to. I'm you, down. You get top billing. I don't care. 100%. Well, let, you know what? Let's talk about your books. You said you did some writing. Do you have anything published yet? I don't have anything published, but I they're more of just kind of like personal okay. um, stories that I've written because it's it's like story like that kind of writing. I'm definitely not that as um, confident about as I am with um, with uh, 
lyrical writing and performing on that stuff. But mainly, it's mainly just because of punctuation and grammar and stuff. I, oh, okay. I didn't pay attention that much when I should have in English class and, and those and those aspects. But but my but my wife has been helping me out with um oh, good. with that kind of stuff. I'll write something and then she she proofreads it. And I'm actually uh, I wanted to tell you about um I'm writing a script for um a YouTube video then um, came up with a, a good idea for, I actually made a whole new uh, YouTube channel uh, and inspired by the one video. I was like, oh, I need to make another one so I can, um, I wanna do things like, uh, I wanna review and like talk about uh, Twilight Zone episodes and kind of turn that into a series and and other things like that and but also just kind of make other like um maybe 15 10 15 minute videos on like things that are just intrigue me or whatever like there's one um this is the one i'm writing a, a script about a an mk ultra um uh operative I, I think i think it would be like a a guy who was he worked with mk ultra but he was in like um he worked in like probation officers and he was uh, uh, with probation officers and he was um teaching in colleges and stuff but he was also doing um experiments with lsd and and some very strange things happen around those experiments and especially the things that he his goals in experimenting with LSD, he was trying to make, he was trying to induce short but intense psychotic breaks through um, through drugs and hypnosis. And some of the people that he ended up like working with, like one guy th that was stationed, um, he was a military guy, he was stationed at a, um, uh, I forgot what they call him, but like a fort or whatever, like where this guy was working and he ended up blacking out somehow going out and assaulting and sexually assaulting and murdering a little girl and he had no memory of it oh. and he had these terrible headaches after um oh that's what he had these terrible headaches so he and and this doctor this uh cia mk ultra operative told him that he could help him with with those headaches through these experiments that he has and and out of the blue this guy goes and does something like that he, he said that um he was hallucinating and that the little girl was a little girl that had assaulted him sexually as a kid so he was getting revenge and that god told him to do it and it was like very crazy and like he wasn't like this before or necessarily after and I think you like I think he got the death sentence or whatever. And like that guy kind of the uh, the operative, his name is uh, Jolly and West. Like probably nobody really knew about him or knew what he was doing because he kept it very secretive because he was, you know, involved with the CIA when they were doing that kind of stuff. So yeah. my video is is about. Um, like how similar his 
life and um, career was to uh, Scarecrow from from the Batman yeah um, uh, series and how it's basically like a it's a I'm not saying that Scarecrow was based on this guy or whatever because I'm pretty sure Scarecrow was a character before this guy but it was just more of like a uh, a thing on like life imitating art art imitating life just the eerie similarities yeah like there's one thing have you seen any of the christopher nolan batman movies i love it those, those are my favorite batman movies yeah. my all-time favorite is the one with heath ledger the dark knight yeah yeah and you know what's funny about that because i'm a i was a huge fan of christopher nolan before when he came out with memento and also another movie before that was called the following i don't know if you ever saw that one it's where this guy he just starts following this guy that was going, he'd love to follow people. That's how the movie started. He started following this guy that was breaking into houses. And the guy says, instead of following me, why don't you help me? And then it just goes from there. Oh, yeah. No, I actually don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, that was his, might have that been one sounds first interesting, movie. though. It is. Yeah. And then, of course, I love Inception. So anything Chris Nolan yeah. does for the most part. But yeah, the, to me, I love the Chris Nolan ones. The, uh, Tim Burton ones were more like the TV series where they were more yeah, the cartoonish. Cartoonish, yeah. And Mike and then, a good Batman. But yeah. to me, Chris um Yeah, Christopher Nolan. He, he yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, like I feel like that would like even still is like for me the de the definitive yeah. Batman movies. Yeah, so so in the first movie, Batman begins, there's a scarecrow. Um, you know, yep. the scarecrows in that one. And you remember the scene where um batman takes down uh falcone and mm -hmm. and scarecrow goes to visit him in the in the um at the jail or yeah. or, or or psych ward or whatever and like um falcone's like yeah i'm crazy i don't know what i'm gonna do you know he's like kind of being facetious about it and then um and then falcone starts talking like well if you don't help me out of this i'm gonna i'm gonna give up you know the head guy and then he's you know he, he puts on his mask and he sprays him and then he actually has a psychotic break uh uh falcone like you know when the scarecrow's talking to him um, yeah you remember that you scene know, i do remember the scene i haven't seen the movie in a long time but yeah. i do remember that scene not yeah that was a very good scene because yeah. he's like uh, you know he takes out the mask and he's like he's like oh you want to see my mask and he's like oh he's like and, and I think Falcone says something like, uh, "We got a, a, a fruit run in the nut house or something like that." Yeah. And then, and he's like, "He's like, yeah, he's like, this probably wouldn't scare a guy like you, but it it it, it makes it, it drives all these uh, people crazy." And then he puts it on, and then he sprays this stuff, and then Falcone, you know, he has the nightmare. Um, yeah, I think that was a fear toxin, so it makes you see like your worst fears yeah and stuff and so like the similarity is that actually um this guy jolly and west went to go see jack ruby who shot lee harvey oswald mm -hmm. um he was one of the psychiatrists that went to go see him to make sure that he was good to be um you know stand up for trial and and every i think he had gotten interviewed by multiple uh, psychiatrists and stuff and and this guy, Jolly West, was a psychiatrist, and he was found sane, capable. He wasn't irrational or whatever. But then, this guy, Jolly West, spends two hours with him, 
and he's completely insane after. And there's no, there's no videos. There was no documentation of what happened in that room mm -hmm. or whatever. But I had heard that. And then it reminded me of that scene from Batman where I was like, I was like, huh. I was like, this guy, he basically like, his goal in his career was to create short, like very mind shattering psychotic breaks in a short amount of time. Like he, he was actually documented of uh, killing an elephant with, with LSD, like a, a crazy, a crazy amount of LSD at a fair in front of a bunch of like people, like just regular people going to a fair and everybody was like laughing. It was a different time, I guess. But this yeah. guy was like, I was like, this guy is scarecrow. Wow. So I was like, I was like, oh, you know, so I was like, oh, I'm going to write. I was like, this would be a good video that I checked YouTube and stuff to see if like, I'm like, has anybody made this video? You know, I, I'm not like us. Like I said, I'm not saying that he is the inspiration or whatever, but it is very, very odd, especially like the, those two things, like the, the scene from the Batman movie and then everything I've, I found out about this guy who, who researched uh, uh, Jolly and West for, and actually a, a Charles Manson book. There's a big correlation between MK Ultra and Charles Manson. I, I know it's, it seems crazy, very conspiratorial, but this guy has like documents and, and anything he can't prove, he doesn't try to prove. You know, he's like, I, this is just, I can't prove that this happened. I'm not going to conjecture about it and stuff, but there's just a lot of stuff that is just odd. Yeah, no, I mean, I never even heard that story before. That's really intrigues me. I yeah. would, you know what? Now I think it's a great time to promote yourself. Where can people find your video, your YouTube channel? Um, uh, they can find, uh, you can look me up. It's a uh, Rob Bull. Um, that is my YouTube channel where I have a couple songs and, and, and videos from old shows. Um, I, I'm planning to get that video up hopefully around maybe realistically to take my time with it, maybe around Christmas. So that will be on the channel shadow of the bull. If people want to subscribe ahead of time, um, I might try to put other stuff on there just for in the meantime i have a lot of it like it's it's about 80 85 percent written um so I, it's it's putting together all the video stuff and whatever I, I have a good portion of that stuff put together too but i just want to give myself enough time to make oh, yeah. it really really good quality i want to make music for it and stuff too atmospheric music um but also i have um you could find me on soundcloud uh rob bull b-u-l-l -L, like the animal um and um i also have an album on spotify it's not it's um i had a manager and stuff so and he wasn't uh he didn't have the same vision that i did for for myself or whatever so it's not my proudest the songs are all great but it's just the album artwork that i'm not crazy about um so that, that's not a big thing but you can find me on spotify rob bull okay well, so you, i definitely 
see some big things happening for you. And I'm so glad I had a chance to meet you at the Serling Fest. And I look forward to collaborating with you somehow. Yeah. I know one way I'd like to collaborate with you right now, because you were mentioning doing YouTube shows on Twilight Zone episodes or other things. I would love Ab- to yeah. ever need a guest. Absolutely. That would be great. You and I can just, yeah, be, we've been going back and forth for two and a half hours now. And yeah. I'm just, I mean, I'm just warming up. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. Yeah. We could, um, we could like watch an episode beforehand and come yes. on and talk about it. And, and I would also like to help um, you. I remember you were talking about trying to get your stuff on uh, uh, Spotify and yes. And, and, and stuff like that. Um, so I would, I, I was talking to a couple of buddies of mine that, that do their own uh, distribution stuff. And it's, you know, I think you had told me where it's like, people say it's very easy, but it's like, it's, it's, it's the doing it part. So exactly. Um, it's so yeah, easy I, I for somebody to look- say, no, I don't mean to interrupt you. I was going to say, it's, people go, Oh, just go on anchor.com. Do this, do that. I said, yeah. it's easy for you. Cause you know what you're doing. But for me, if you yeah. show me a couple of times and then I'll get it. So yeah. I appreciate yeah. You. Appreciate yeah. You and, and, I, and I would definitely, I would definitely be down to help you um, do that. I didn't really look into it much because just the, uh, the kind of person that I am, I wasn't really sure if, if like, if this was going to happen, yeah, you yeah. know, like, but I, I and I'm, I'm so happy it did. I, I really appreciate it. You know? Um, yeah. So, so thank you very much. And, and I definitely want to do those things. Actually, the, doing that with you is going to be really great because that, that'll actually give me the, the kick in the ass that I need to do it you know yeah yeah no definitely or, or, or for the you know for the uh for the twilight zone but also for you know for for helping you out with that too yeah oh yeah no that's definitely. awesome i the, you know what the feeling is mutual we um i met you like a month and a half two months ago and yeah I said when just talking to you for about 15 minutes i said gotta have you on the show yeah, yeah. and that's not even knowing half the things that you had like all the stories like so yeah it's it's the the connection you have with the twilight zone made this interview so much more meaningful i think to yeah my viewers that are watching this and it's just and i can't wait until this airs and i'm going to air it all over the twilight i'm on five different twilight zone groups and i know they're gonna that's love awesome it. yeah the, the, thank you very much man i, I really appreciate that and like it, it feels like I've, I've known you for a lot longer than I have. Like I was nervous about, I, I was nervous about this uh, quite a bit at first. I even so much that I actually, I, I, I like put a picture of HP Lovecraft over my picture on the, on the, on the zoom meeting thing. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to see myself and be like, like, Oh, I look dumb. And so I was like at looking all. at him and be like, what would, what would Lovecraft do? Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, man, uh, you're an awesome guy, and thank you. Um, I, I like you're really great at what you do. You're really uh, easy to talk to, and you know, and and like you, you have just stuff ready, you know. I I, I really like that. Yeah, but I was worried there was just going to be like a part where it would just be like 15 minutes of silence, and then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It hasn't no. been like that. So no, not at all. There's a lot of times it's funny because uh, I sometimes I think I have we the guests and I have too many things to talk about. An example would be: Did you ever hear of a group called the Bad Brains? It's a punk group from the '80s. Yes. Yeah. Well, not the first singer, but the second singer. I interviewed him starting at five o'clock in the afternoon. 
we didn't end until 10 o'clock. And at 10 o'clock, I said, I have to go. I said, he goes, yeah, you have to. So we, we had an interview for five hours and he was still the last thing he said as I was hitting pause. This was awesome. It was a perfect way to end the episode. But it's just I love the fact I you know what I, one that I tell people this all the time. What I love most about the show is that I get to meet so many interesting and great people. And I get a chance to have them on the show. They get to talk about themselves and I learned so many new things and you're just the latest example of that. So thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah. I'm going to have you back. We're going to work together. And I would love to have your mother as a guest. Awesome. Yep. And if, and if you ever need eerie music made for anything, I, I'm your man. All right. Well, that I was am. Rob Bull, everybody. All right. Thank you very much. Right. That wraps up the late. Oh, you too. That wraps up the latest episode of the Claws Corner. I want to thank musician, author, and future YouTuber Rob Bull for coming on the show. I also need to thank John Bristol of Elmwood Production for always doing a superb job editing this program and making it available to all each and every week. And lastly, but definitely not least, I need to thank you, the viewer, for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone. Oh, yeah, no. If you say so. I've always wanted to be in a movie.